Welcome to the Captain's Run with Cameron Smith. I mean, Smithy, we're lucky we're doing this on a Thursday because I tell you what, I needed a bit of a rest after the weekend, mate. It was absolute <laughs> chaos. Oh, just from the, the Sunday match, Kempe. Holy. I think we all needed a little bit of a breather. Put the feet up for 24 hours and just get over what had happened. But what a what a cracking start to the final series for 2022. A couple of, uh, couple of upsets, maybe. In, in some people's eyes, some upsets. Others probably thinking, no, no, I back that. I back that team. I back Canberra to go down there and beat the Storm. Oh, oh no, I'm oh. out. Oh I'm no, out. Oh, he's gone. He's done. That's what's Take broken over. him. Finally, it's broken him. <laughs> We've got the great Smithy. We've broken him. He's there out the first week. Uh, mate, it was. You're totally right. It was an incredible weekend of footy. Welcome to all our listeners. However, you're tuning in, eleven seventy on SCN, sixteen twenty on the Goldie. Uh, 10.53 in Brizzy. Uh, Queensland listeners listening via SENQ on DAB+. Or if you're listening live on the SEN app, make sure to download the SEN app at the App Store or the Google Play Store. Or you can listen belatedly on Apple and Spotify. You just go to the Captain's Run, you hit subscribe, and boom, you can listen to us anytime. You can go back and look at old episodes, everything. But on today's show, we're going to break down all the recent news, Rugby League. We've got the finals week two preview, plus your texts and your call. So, Give us a call on 1300 01 1170 and you can ask me all of your footy questions or give us a text 0457 736 736. Now, I mean, let's just get a quick wrap of the games on the weekend. So obviously we had the Penny Panthers getting the job done over the years. I don't think the, I mean, look, the score does, I think, reflect a dominant Panthers, but the Eels were quite dominant for the first half. They, 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 Cleary came out and really came alive in that second half. Then we had mm. the uh, the absolute blockbuster in the Cowboys versus Sharkies. And holy, that was an incredible... When you talk about high-quality footy mixed in with that, um, I guess, fatigue factor and mental toughness, amazing Mm -hmm. stuff. Uh, I mean, the the games on the weekend were of the the highest standard. Even, look, I I would say the Roosters-Rabbitohs wasn't the highest standard, but it was Mm -hmm. one of the most exciting games I've ever watched. Smithy, how did you kind of feel across the board in regards to the Week 1 finals footy? Yeah, well, they each had their own sort of narrative, wasn't it, at the, at the end of the, the match? And, and no game was sort of the same style of footy. Um, it, when you think about, you know, the first game that we watched on the weekend, Penrith v uh, the Eels, like, as you mentioned, Kepi, up at half time, it was one point, the difference. So Mitch Moses goes for a field goal, misses. Penrith get an opportunity to go down the other end and then Cleary slots it. And, and they go into the sheds at half time at 7-6. So you're thinking, well, like, what a what a match we've got in our hands. And it's what everyone expected Parramatta were the only team in the competition that had beaten the Panthers twice um, throughout the regular games. So a lot of people were actually saying, well, this is this is the game where Parramatta can knock Penrith off and, and jag a, a, a preliminary final, a grand final qualifier. But they just, what Penrith did and what they've done so well over the past, you know, two seasons, I believe, with the style of footy that they're playing, they just, they just, got themselves into a real grindy style of football in the second half. And just what they did was they, they just, they made Parramatta break. Now I know they had the, um, Mitch Moses went off uh, with a head knock and that really sort of hurt their chances. I believe I thought, you know, he was playing some pretty good football up to that point, particularly his kicking. I thought it, it, uh, it was turning Penrith around a lot. It was putting a lot of pressure um, on Dylan Edwards and and their wingers, when he, he he kicked a lot of a couple of early ones and put it on the ground and just made it uncomfortable for Penrith. But when he went off, they just they lost their way a little bit, Parramatta. So um, 
just they, on they, just on that, Smithy. Yeah. What are your thoughts on, you know, Jacob Arthur? He was carried on the bench, and it's a really interesting selection because I understand mm. all the baggage that comes with it. It's father, son, rah, rah. But I want to talk more specifically about the footy selection. Yep. You know, Jacob Arthur, he's a seven and only a seven. Mm-hmm. And even when he's coming on the field, surely Dylan Brown is the main guy, even with Arthur yeah. coming on the field. And I just think that selection was really surprising. Like, why why wouldn't you carry a guy like Bryce Cartwright who can come on and play six and then Brown can come seven, but Cartwright can also play a bunch of different... I just I was a bit unsure about that selection. What are your thoughts on the fact that they had a specific seven on the bench? Well, maybe maybe Jacob Arthur can play a little bit of nine as well. Like, okay. uh, we're not sure. Like, we, yeah. we don't know. We're not at training. Maybe he does a little bit of training, a little bit of preparation to play nine. So if anything was to happen to Reed Marnie, he can fill that void as well. Because, mm. like, a lot of clubs take a utility player. Yeah. Someone that can play, you know, multiple positions, particularly um, can go in and play nine. Um, you know, like the Panthers, they have two nines. Yep. Um, uh, so does Canberra. So does Melbourne. Um and and so maybe maybe Jake Arthur can play a little bit of nine if he has to, um, but oh that, that's the one thing I was a little bit surprised with. Not this, not so much the selection, Kempy, was when Mitch Moses went off. I, I just feel as though you know Dylan Brown needed to st- step up a little bit, mm. and it was it was almost he had a very quiet game by his standards. Mm. I didn't I'm not saying he played poorly, but he had a he had a quite a, a quiet game um, to his standards. So look, I, I'm sure that. Yeah, you know, he's reviewed his own match, and and as has every Parramatta player, um, and they know that now it's it's do or die. So mm. they burnt their they burnt their chance. Um, it's gone. Um, so they need to make this next performance count if they if they're going to go forward in the competition. And and what did you think about Cleary's performance? You know, obviously there's the the rave reviews, and we all agree. You know, the Prince is back, and he didn't. You were right. You predicted. You didn't feel he did need any warm up games. He was going to be mm. good to go. I personally felt the first half he was solid, really strong kicking. Yep. But I thought it took him about 40 minutes to realise, you know, I need to start running the ball. What Cleary's performance, mm. where do you kind of feel? Is he primed and ready for a big, you know, push into the grand final, do you think? Yeah, well, I think he is, mate. I really do. And uh, we, we spoke about this when, um, what, six weeks ago when he was suspended, or six and a half weeks ago now, when he was suspended for that tackle on, on Dylan Brown. Um, against Parramatta and just saying like oh, I really felt that this would it would be almost a, a positive not just for Nathan but for that entire Penrith squad that that he was going to spend some time away from that team um, you know just for the games he's obviously training with them every day but they're going to go out and play some footy without Nathan who is their he is their key man mm. he is the player that that um, is central to their entire game plan. You, you can see with the way they play. Now, they've got some great individual players that can come up with you know, their own brilliance at times, but their, their game plan is based all around Nathan. Mm. Um, and, but that, and that's the thing that he's so strong at. That's the strongest part of his game. Like, he's, not a, he's not a player that plays a lot of um, instinctive football, although he, he, he can at times, but the way he bases... He bases his game, 95% of his game is based on a system and a structure that he builds um, with his squad during the week mm. and with the coaches. And so that his his strong point of his game, though, Kempe, is that so anytime he gets the ball, he's got three or four options. Mm. So he can pass short, he can pass out the back, he can pass on his inside, or he can run the football, or he can kick. Mm. 
So there is options. And then what he does is his greatest ability is when he gets the ball, when he looks up and sees his defense, whatever, whatever uh, picture he looks at defensively, that then says, okay, that's the play I put on. Mm. And, and so what he was so good at on the weekend was he didn't overplay his hand early, as you said. He kicked strongly. There's no doubt about that. He put Wonga Blake under all, oh my God. all sorts of. I had and nightmares probably, for Wonga Blake. I was going to say, we could probably touch on that quickly with you being a winger. But, but, but as he got into the game and they started building a bit more momentum through the middle, the Parramatta defense started getting a little bit more fatigued. That's when he seen options to run. And, you know, he come up with a, a couple of nice little plays towards the end of the game there where he, where he, set, he ended up setting up a try when he, he touched the ball like three consecutive tackles in a row. But um, it was just a... I guess the thing that that made his performance stand out more was because he'd been away for so long, mm. and and I don't think many people sort of expected him to come back and play that well. But you got to understand, this is this is one of the one of the elite players of the competition, and he's not someone that if he's not playing is just going to sit there and do nothing. He would have had himself. He he would have trained more. Put it this way, he would have trained. I reckon more often and longer and harder than what he would have if he was playing, mm. if you understand that. Yeah. It's because he was able to. Yeah. He's not getting banged up. He's not getting hit around on the weekend. So he took the time to get in the gym, which he hasn't had a lot of opportunity to over the last 12 months because of that shoulder injury. So he would have been in the gym. He would have been getting strong. He would have been getting fit. And, and he just would have come out feeling fresh and, and just really good about himself last week. Mate, he, he looks... So sharp. And you're right, he didn't miss a beat. I, as I said, I was a bit concerned. I was like, I just think he might need a game. But you're absolutely right. And in regards to the training, it's almost um, – it's when you're in a squad and you're in the rehab, it's almost yep. a bit of a punishment. It's almost <laughs> like – It feels like that. It feels like it, even though it's not. But, like, it's kind of like if you're in rehab, we are going to absolutely towel you up. For, I mean, for a couple of reasons. We don't. You don't want to be in rehab. But no. also, you need to be even fitter than you were before because you've got an opportunity here to work on things like your cardio, whether it's your upper body strength, mm. um, always improving, and Cleary did that. In regards to Wonga Blake, yeah, look, really, really tough night. I, I will say in Wonga Blake's defense, and although I think, you know, as a winger, you've got to do your job, and unfortunately, he, he didn't, um, he hasn't played that much wing. You know, he's mm. mainly been a center. Yep. It's, it's, it's interesting because... It doesn't really get, I guess, talked about as much as I think it probably should, and that's probably because I'm a winger. But those catching those high balls, that's a specialty. That, that, is, not, that is not an easy task. And no. I, I think some fans don't realize the amount of time and effort goes in f- to wingers in training that. Me per- we had full sessions for kicking and catching. Like, yeah. that, you yep. know, Sometimes they might go an hour before. We would rock up an hour before everyone else, mm. and we would literally just be catching for an hour over yeah. and over and over. Yeah. Um, me personally, whenever I got under a bomb, I would you say to myself, because like sometimes I feel like when I see a winger drop a ball, it's because they're thinking about everything that's going on. Oh, what's the kick yeah. chase doing? Am I about to yes. get smashed? Is the crowd, <laughs> what's going on? I used to say to myself, <laughs> I used to say to myself, you're going to get smashed. Yes. It doesn't matter. Yep. And then it would just take that out of my, my mind of like, okay, you've got to be willing to, like in my yeah. debut, I remember there was a, when I scored a try on my debut, it was a kick return try. And it was a it was a chip over the top, and mm-hmm. it bounced in like that no man's land. Yep, yep. And yep. basically, so you got to commit yourself exactly. And so before I started running, I said, I don't care if I get knocked out. I'm not changing my line. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it worked for me. And I think, like, I think some of the 
like that's something that wingers you cannot kind of get in your head. You say, take out of your head what possibly could happen, like getting knocked out or whatever, mm. and mm. just think of the ball. Um, yep. It sounds simple, but I think Wonga Blake, as if he plays winger more often, I think he'll he'll uh, slowly uh, get better at that. Uh, yeah. In regards to the Eels' performance, the second half completion rate was just yeah. unacceptable. Unacceptable yeah. in a finals game. What did you feel of the second half of the Eels? Yeah, and, and that's that's partly due. Like sometimes you just you got to have a look at the opposition as well, Kempi. Like you mm. can't just go, oh look, yeah, geez, they were bad. The Eels. Mm. Sometimes you got to look at the opposition. And go, they were very good. Yeah, like they were very good. Like they just they did all the little things really well. And again, we go back to the kicking. Like they were kicked to death. Mm. Like the the difference in the kicking games was was you know they, they were poles apart, particularly when Moses left the field. Mm, um, and so what they did was they were just constantly under pressure, constantly under pressure. And so what pressure does? Pressure brings mistakes mm. more times than not in those high in the in those high pressure games like semifinals and a, and a, a game like that one, a qualifying final to, to put yourself into a prelim. It brings pressure because you go searching. You go searching outside of your game plan. You go searching for things that you, you haven't practiced all week. Um, and that's when errors occur. So they had a low completion rate and they were just under the pump the entire time. So, you know, geez, for Eels fans, I'd like to see them bounce back. Like, Imagine being an Eels fan and they go out straight sets. Oh. Straight sets. Oh, mate. We'll get, we'll, <laughs> we'll get to it in a preview because there's a lot yeah. to talk about in regards to you know, what are the ramifications? Because they have mm. to make a prelim. Like, yeah. they have to because yep. they're on, well, they've, they've, they've been kicked across to the other side. They should yep. beat the Raiders. And that's not like the Raiders are going great, but the yep. Eels are a premiership, you know. Yeah. Well, like we're talking about, you know, some of the things that didn't do so well and, and whatnot, but three guys I, I wanted to give a rap to, though, Kempe, and um, oh, we speak about these guys a lot, so you, you might agree, but Regan Campbell-Gillard, yeah. again, fantastic. Junior Bolo. And I thought um, Ryan Madison yes. was strong as well. Absolutely, like the, the the amount of work and and a lot of the tough carries that they had were just you know like they they tried their absolute hearts out for um, the Eels last weekend and and you know they were coming up against a very good forward pack in in Penrith too like full of representative players. Mm. R- RCG at the moment for mine like he'd be he'd be if not he'd be equal form front row of the competition. Mm. You know, with like a James Fisher Harris, yeah, Tarpanay. Um, you, you know, you'd probably throw you know the Lodge, um, Hargreaves combination in there as well. But those those guys are gone. There's no, there's no secret as to why these teams are still a part of finals. Mm. It's because they've all got their big boys. Their their starting props are all in good form. Mm. You know, so like people tend to look at oh the fullback and you know the the halfback and they're all you know they're the they're the key players. Look back on a lot of premierships won by teams over however many years you want to go back, and you look at the, their starting props and the form they take into that final series. More times than not, they'd be you know the best props in the comp. Mm, yeah, for sure, absolutely, I agree. In regards to RCG and even the the, pen, uh, the Eels forward pack, if you go back and watch that game, the Eels forward pack, in my opinion, won the first half, and they put they won the field position, and you only win field position with two things: kicking and your forward pack. Usually. Now, obviously, sometimes the game has changed and wingers can get you there, but it's mainly the forward pack. And I thought the forward pack, especially in the first half, were yep. absolutely outstanding for the Eels. It's just about the 80-minute performance for me with the Eels. If they can get that same uh, discipline 
for 80 minutes, mm. they can really – I mean, look, it was 7-6. Like, it was 7-6 seven, seven, going That's right. They were, they were there, yeah. They were right there. So, anyway, we're going to head to a break. Give us a call, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. 1170 Ask us all your footy questions about the finals, about, you know, players laying down, about head highs, about sin bins, whatever you want. Uh, also, give us a text, 0457-736-736. We've got 1,000 texts here. But after the break, we're going to give the review – uh, of uh, Cowboys versus Sharks, an absolutely epic encounter. You don't want to miss it. Welcome back to the Captain's Run with the great Cameron Smith. Give us a text 0457 736 736 or give us a call on 1300 01 1170. We've got a call here. We've got a call from Ben. Ben, you there, mate? Yeah, mate. Gotcha. How you going? How you going, fellas? Very good, thank you. Yeah, good. Hey, just about the, um, just about the whole bunker situation and on-field... Why don't the NRL look into um, adding two more touch judges? So there's two on each side. One can control the the defence. One can control the attack. Um, and then between the five officials, they can kind of look over everything from every angle. Oh, that's a tough one because I, I see what you mean because then we think that if we put more people in, they'll be able to catch more. But And look, I know touchies have got a tough job, but... Even the ones we've got there, like they're literally watching the tro- like you can you can see the replay and they're watching what's happening and they don't make the call. So I don't know whether adding more of that would just I don't know if it would confuse the ref on you know what I mean because then he's got to he's got to listen to four different voices. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, Benny, I get what you're saying, mate. Like there's more people out there, so there's more eyes on on the play and whatnot. But I think it just it probably adds a, a little bit more confusion. Um, to what's happening out there already and, and more voices into the ears of the referees. So, look, I think that, you know, the game's been played for over 100 years with two touch judges um, and it seemed to work. So um, the thing that a lot of people are questioning is um, the bunker and whether they should have as much involvement. And, I, and I'm, I'm for reducing the involvement that they have just to try scored. So reviewing, just bringing the bunker in to review tries. If, if the touch judges and the referee on field are unsure whether the try was scored or not, or whether it's a legitimate try, that's when you can bring the bunker in. And obviously, you know, while we still have the captain's challenge, um, it goes up to get reviewed. But, yeah, I think, I think let's just stay with the two touchies, um, the one referee on the field, and, and maybe look to reduce the amount of um, times that the bunker gets involved in the game. Yeah, but then even that would like clean up forward passes and um, like the defence line a bit. You know what I mean? Like because at the moment I feel like forward passes are happening a fair bit. Um, yeah. Well, the, the, the difficult, yeah, the, yeah, it's a difficult one with the forward passes, mate. Because the ruling in our game is that if like because balls can float, they can they can travel forward even when they're out of your hands backwards. So I don't know. It's a really it's a really difficult one on that and and the. There's been talk around our game about trying to introduce like technology where they can identify forward passes where you know, and I don't know how they can come up with that, but yeah, it's still a difficult one. There's always one touchy. If you if you look at the game closely, there should be one touch judge in line with the attack, so in line with the ball, and then one touch judge in line with the defence. So they're keeping a, an eye on the defensive line and helping the referee with onside offside, and one touch judge in line with the ball to um, try and identify, you know, forward passes. Yeah. Yep. No, that's fair. Awesome. That's fair. No, that's all good, fellas. Good on you, Benny. Thanks, Carl, Ben. Appreciate it. Um, 
I mean, he's right in regards to sometimes I'm watching going, wow, how was that missed when we got, you know, two touches <laughs> looking at it? Um, well, you know what? You know what, Kempi? I'll tell you I'll tell you why it's missed because they know there's a bunker there now. Yeah, it's so true. And they just get involved. Mm. So they just go, oh, look, oh, I don't know. Go mm. upstairs. Yeah, just rely on the bunker. Yeah, they just go upstairs and they'll they'll check everything. They'll go back 400 plays before <laughs> and they'll check everything and then go, righto, back yep. down here, Boom. boys. Um, now, <laughs> we've got another call. Reese, you there, mate? Hey, boys, how you going? Reese, how are you? Good, good, good. You got me? Got you, brother. What do you got? Um, look, I think Rugby World Cup or Rugby League World Cup coming up, I think we're going to see a change in the guard at halfback, obviously, with... Cleary taking Penrith probably to another grand final, and I think DCE will be moved over. I've got another one. Changing of the guard at fullback. Do we see Latrell play number one instead of Teddy? I think he's been the best player in the comp since coming back from the hamstring, and he just got the wood over him, obviously, on the weekend against Teddy, with Rabbits v. Roosters there. If we see a bit of a run from the Rabbits to the grand final, do we see Latrell at fullback for the Rugby League World Cup? Look, I'm a massive Latrell fan. I, you know, I cannot sing his praises high enough. But Teddy is absolutely incredible. He's already one of the greatest fullbacks of all time. And if if you go and actually look at his stats before he got head high, I think it was like 20 minutes in, he'd already run for like 110 meters or something. Um, so I, I like I agree in regards to Latrell has been outstanding since his return. But I don't think anyone's taken Teddy's spot until he gives it up. He is that good. Mm. No, I agree. I think I think Latrell, I think Latrell goes over if he if he feels as though his body's up to it and he can go over and and play that tour and have a, a shortened preseason. We, he he might decide not to and be like a Calvin Ponger and say, look, I want to focus on getting my body right, have a decent preseason, get ready for next year. We we don't know yet, have we? He hasn't announced anything, has he? No, Latrell. But if he goes, no, I agree. I think I think Tedesco will definitely be the one. Um, you just have to look at his origin series. I think he just picked up the Brad Fittler medal. I think he um, won every award. Again, every award. Just every award. They handed out about 12 awards. He won all of them. It was literally the New South Wales. There was one player awards. invited. There was one player invited. It was Teddy. <laughs> Everyone, they didn't go and no one else went. <laughs> What's the point? <laughs> but I think, um, uh, yeah, back to your question, Reese. Yeah, look, I, I think that Tedesco, he'll be the one. Um, I think there's even talk that he'll be given the captaincy for the Kangaroos on this tour. So... If if Daly Cherry Evans is is not there, um, if Latrell goes, um, if he's fit and, and he's and he's willing to go over and tour, like he'll be in the team, and I, I think he'll go straight into the centres. Mm. Okay, cool. Uh, thanks, lads. All right, on cheers you, for the call, Reece. Good on you, mate. Um, he, I mean, he's absolutely right in regards to Latrell's form. He has been absolutely on fire. Uh, I, I mean, me personally, selfishly, I love seeing Latrell at centre in a good side. Because he is just an absolute nightmare on the edge yeah. there. Uh, now, we've got some text here. Uh, boys, thoughts on the sin binning of Tracy for Val Holmes tackle. I thought it was a penalty try, but no sin bin. If we don't get down to 12 players, I believe we win. Sharky from Nara. Thoughts, Smithy? Um, no, look, I think it was a legitimate sin binning. There's no, there's no doubt that Connor Tracy tackled or, or even just touched um, Val Holmes, which affected his opportunity to... To take the ball cleanly and score a try, I think if if put it this way, if Connor Tracy's not there, I strongly believe that Val Holmes scores a try. Mm. So you know that was that was deemed a um, foul play by Connor Tracy, and he was put in the bin. The one thing I felt that was um, 
I, I was a little bit unsure of was that the Cowboys opted to take the two points. In the end, in the end, it was a great play because yeah. Tal Malolo ended up scoring with 15 seconds left on the clock, and then Val Holmes kicks the conversion after the siren to to level it up at 30 all. But when they took that two, I thought, oh geez, um, you know, you're still leaving yourself a converted try short. Mm. Would you just try? Would you try and go for the points now when you know they're they're down a man and you've got field um, position. But in the end, you know, it was it worked out for them. Um, it was a brave call, uh, but they backed themselves, and and that's 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 the style of football that the Cowboys have been playing all year. Is that they played com- with confidence. They've they've played backing themselves and backing each other, um, and it paid off for them this week. Now we're going to head to the news. After the news, we've got a review of that incredible match between the Cowboys and the Sharkies. Welcome back to the Captain's Run with a great Cameron Smith. Make sure to give us a text 0457 736 736. We've got 1,000 texts to get through. We'll get to them. Don't worry. And also give us a call on 1300 01 1170. Give us a follow on Apple and Spotify, the Captain's Run, or download the app, SEN app on uh, Apple Play or Google Play Store. Also, give at SEN League a follow on Instagram. It's the best in the business. It's got all the biggest personalities in rugby league, all the best analysts in the game. So make sure to give at SEN League a follow on Instagram. Now, let's get to an, one of the, you know, I, I think it'll go down as a famous finals match that a lot of people remember. The Sharkies versus the Cowboys. Now, talk about, it. this game had everything. It had drama. It had mental toughness. It had big hits. It had silky play. It had, you know, two Cinderella story teams that, that a lot of people didn't even expect to make the eight, let alone be second and third. How did you see this game playing out, Smithy? Well, it was a, it was a bit of a seesawing game, wasn't it, where um, it, at early on it looked like the Sharks were on top and then the Cowboys would find their way back and then that seemed like they had a lot of momentum, but then the Sharks were able to wrestle it back off them um, also. And the crowd was, I'll tell you what, there was 12,000 there um, at uh, Points Bet Stadium at Cronulla on the weekend, but it felt like 25,000, 30,000. They were going absolutely mental, particularly when the Sharkies boys were up and about and they were scoring tries. And when Andrew Fafita got on the field, they all went, they all went nuts. But um, it, it, it was a very entertaining game of football. And this is what I was talking about at the start, mate, where we've seen very different games of football um, throughout the, the the opening weekend of the finals, um, the concern I have for both of these sides is that they each conceded mm. thirty points. Mm. That that's the thing, and and some and some of the tries that were scored, yeah, in the manner in which they were scored were, I I think there'd be a few alarm bells, particularly for Craig Fitzgibbon who. You know, his team are playing this weekend, so they got a short preparation. At least the Cowboys, you know, Todd Payton goes away. They do their review. I think the Cowboys actually were given two or three days off mm. when they returned to Townsville. I think they might only just be – they only just started training yesterday. Um, so it's given them, at least, and their coaching staff, a, a few days to, you know, look at their match closely and go, right, this is the things that we, we weren't great at. We need to fix them. And I think they'll be looking at it defensively, whereas I'm talking about – the Sharkies, they got a, a much shorter preparation. They've only got the sort of seven days. And so if you think back to the, some of the tries, so like the Tom Dearden try. Mm. So they, the Cronulla Sharkies, they kicked downfield. They had the wind behind them. Um, I think Scott Drinkwater brings the ball back. Play two, Tom Dearden gets to dummy half, and it looks like it was just going to be a regulation 
hit up for Val Holmes. Val Holmes was making his way in from his left edge. And he was just going to have a hit up. He picked the ball up. They had two markers ready to go. The two markers backed off. Tom Dearden come out, just showed the ball. Someone took a show, and he just, he just went straight through the middle of their defensive line. And then as he got through, he just pinned the ears and ran ran around Will Kennedy. Mm. And as he did that, I I, I, I was watching the, the Cronulla players, and there was about three or four of them just with their hands in the air. So that would be – that's the concerning thing for me is that, like – they faced a, a cowboy side who were up and about and, and confident, as I said before the break. But now they go and play against a Rabbitohs side who have some of the best attack in the competition. Mm. They don't. They don't try and you know get a quick dummy half run and try to run through the middle of you. They actually they're happy to attack your set defensive line, and they'll pull you apart mm. with their with their lines that they run and the timing and you know the crispness of their passes, particularly when. The ball's getting in and around Cody Walker. We all know he's got lovely hands and his combination with Luttrell. That's the thing that where I think the alarm bells would be ringing for Craig Fitzgibbon and the Sharkies is that, hey, we've conceded 32 against the Cowboys. Now we've got to face some of the best attacking um, talent in the competition with, with the Rabbitohs. Do, do you think that they need to – because you don't want to be changing defensive systems now because it's, you're so far into the season – it's worked for you really well. But when you look at the Dearden try, you look at the Taumalolo try, that's all about spacing around the ruck. Mm. And do you go into this game going, you know what, maybe we need to tighten our, our spacing up a little bit and, and basically say to Rabbitohs, look, if you're going to score, it's going to be around us rather than through us. Yeah. Well, they're just adjustments. And, and they need to be, as I said, they need to be made quickly. Like you don't go changing your entire defensive system because like to their credit, they've been one of the strongest defensive sides in the comp. The Sharkies. Mm. It's 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 where they've made a lot of improvement throughout the season. But what I was saying was, some of the tries that they conceded on the weekend, they were just they that that's just not up to finals defence. Mm. That that's not going to cut it come week two, week three, and even if they are lucky enough to get to a grand final, that's just it won't be good enough. So yeah. you know, like they face they face the Rabbitohs this week. If they if they progress through Kempy, but they then face Penrith. <laughs> My God. Who, again, are just, they're a team that are very patient um, and they they wait for their time to strike and, and they pick you apart. So you need to be on. Like, I think a lot of their preparation this week will be, I'm, I'm saying 75% defense, getting their defensive game in order to be able to compete against the Rabbitohs. And how do you see the Cowboys sitting? Because, you know, they also conceded that amount of points yet they've gone through mm. is it almost uh a, not a scary but a worrying thing where they may go well we got the win so it kind of paints over those cracks that may have appeared or what do you well, think they're going to do well i'd like to think not no i'd like to think not i think what the, the important thing for the cowboys is to enjoy this victory and enjoy the week that they they've presented themselves with with no game this weekend they get to sit down and as i said you know review that game closely because they do have a week off, there's no there's no um, reason to sit down and you know start start planning for okay if we play this team if we play that team hey let's just the thing you need to do is just get your own house in order mm. when you've got the week off let the game play out um, tomorrow night between uh, Parramatta and the Raiders and by ten thirty tomorrow night you'll know who you're playing and then you start planning for that particular opposition 
So the first few training sessions of this week, I believe, will be just a chance for these players to freshen up a little bit, maybe put a little bit of work into them, mm. just to keep them keep the legs ticking over and so that they're ready to go. But certainly, I'd be looking at a, a, you know a couple of the things that they weren't so good at, um, and I'm sure Todd Payton um, would have mentioned, you know, conceding thirty points last week is it just it won't cut it next week. Mm. It just it just will not cut it in a prelim. And you've had a bit to do with Scotty Drinkwater. You know, 11 yep. tackle breaks, the match-winning play. And, you know, we spoke about it off air. The brilliance, you know, the game is on the line to send Nanai on a short line with Taumalolo in a tight block. Scotty yeah. Drinkwater, what's it been like to see his development since, you know, going to the Cowboys? Well, it's fantastic. And, and I'm glad he's got the opportunity now to play in, in such a big match at home. It's, it's the first time that the Cowboys are going to be hosting a, a prelim final, a grand final qualifier. Um, so it's great for the, the club. It's great for the region. But for Scott Drinkwater, who, you know, he, he joined the Melbourne Storm as a young man and he and he really, um, he had to bide his time to even get a, an opportunity to play first grade, just one game because he's, you know, he's loved playing fullback. I think he played mostly halves growing up, but he was never going to play in the halves or, or fullback at that starting spot at that point in time, given, you know, Cooper Cronk was there um, and Billy Slater playing at the back. So it's, it was going to be a tough. A, a tough job to try, and, to try and crack that. But he got a couple of opportunities when I think the boys may have been injured or playing representative football. And you could see he, was a, he, was a, yeah, he had a lot of quality about him. Mm. And a lot, of, a lot of his quality in his game was, was things that weren't um, necessarily coached into him. Mm. That was, that was just, it was just natural ability that he had. Um, and then he had a... He had a string of injuries and one really unfortunate one where it looked like um, he was going to get the, the nod to play fullback um, for us when, when Billy Slater decided to retire. Mm. But he actually tore his pec. So he sat out nearly an entire season. Yeah, well. um, He then moved to the Cowboys. And so, so for, for me, um, having known Drinky for quite some time before he's moved to the Cowboys, it's great to see you know, a young guy get an opportunity like this. And he's made such a difference. Like he wasn't even in the t- he wasn't even in the team at the start of the year. Okay. Wow, yeah, you know I mean, like Hamaso Tabuai Fado was was the number one. Drinky was was not even in the side. I think he might have played off the bench a couple of games, and then sometimes he was like eighteenth man or something. Mm. And then it wasn't until the hammer picked up an injury. I think he might have picked up a leg injury or something, sort of a third of the way through the year, and then Drinky got in, and they've just he has not looked back at all. And he's been so good. Like I, I, I called that game, and I just I seen him working his way in, and I thought, well, if if the Cowboys are a chance here, Scott Drinkwater's got to get the ball in his hands, mm. and he'll create something. Whether he just whether he beats a couple of tackles and scores himself, or he's involved in a play, and he was. They put on that beautiful play that you just mentioned, where he had an option runner in um, Jeremiah and the Nye, um, and then I think Chad Townsend was out the back, and they just sort of they they hid. Jason Taumalolo, mm. who played one of the most, you know, outs- you talk about Nathan Cleary and his oh. performance. Like Taumalolo, he Far out. ran for 270 metres, made 40 tackles. Like he was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not pretty bad. Good. Not bad at all. And he scores with 15 seconds to go, you know. So they just, they backed themselves. They didn't panic. They thought, this is a play that we've practised all week. We believe it will work against this team. They put it on. He scores with 15 to go. And then Val Holmes does the rest. Mate, it was incredible. Just a quick shout out though. I think it was Cam McInnes. He nearly got he nearly got Tamalolo. It would have been yeah. one of the all time tackles. Yeah. Oh, again, like you know, and that's what finals are all about. Mm. Those big plays, yeah. you know, and you're putting everything on the line. And Cam McInnes, like he's 
He, he is one of the unsung heroes of, of that footy side this year. Mm. Um, he's come back from a serious knee injury. Um, and he was, again, he just he tried his absolute God. heart out on the weekend for Seriously. the Sharkies. So watch, watch Cam McInnes to be in the thick of it again this weekend. Now we're going to head to a break. After the break, we're going to get to one of the craziest matches I've ever seen in my life. Well, actually, no, actually, we'll get to that after. Apologies, Smithy. I just I wanted to kind of just brush over your heartbreak, but unfortunately, we're going to have to go through your heartbreak. So after the break, okay, we're going to be talking about Storm v the Raiders. Welcome back to the Captain's Run with Cameron Smith. Make sure to give us a call 0457 uh, 736 I don't know what happened there, Smithy. Uh, just a mind blank. Mate, mind blank. It's all good, mate. 1300 01 uh, Look, we've got some text here, so we're going to get through them. Uh, speaking of bomb, Smithy, whose idea was it in origin to put up the bomb and absolutely annihilate Kurt Gibley <laughs> <laughs> at the back of one of my favourite origin memories, even though I'm a Blues fan? Oh, yeah, that was um, oh, that was unfortunate. No, so what happened was Steve Price got knocked out, and there was yep. a little bit of it happening. Someone ran over and grabbed him while he was knocked down the ground, and we didn't really think too much of uh, – that uh, that incident. So we kicked for, we kicked it for touch, and it was like three seconds to go. The siren might have even gone, and we we're like, "What do you want to do?" And and Lockie come over to me. He said, "Mate, just give it straight back to him." So I thought, "Oh, well, I'll just I'll put up like a bomb." But I think after the match, he said, "Nah, just I wanted you to just like chuck it to him, so then we could go and just hit <laughs> hit someone that was like five meters away." <laughs> I ended up putting a bomb up, and it went down to poor Gids. Like oh, no, Kirk Gidley, it, mate, Gids is one of the most like best blokes you'll ever meet. He's yeah. a champion, and uh, should have been in Queenslander actually. Anyway, um, it went down to him, and like he just got swamped. <laughs> he got swamped by the entire side. Like, we got beaten. The, the Blues had, had won. Like, well, yeah. there's no way we could win the match. But, mm. yeah, it was just a bit of a bit of a reaction for sticking up for your mates. Oh, poor old Pricey. He was knocked out. So, that was yeah, the, that's, was that's, that's, what, the, that's what happened. Was that the Ben Cray-Hodjo incident? Yeah, I think it might have been. Yeah. yeah. Benny Cray come come in and give someone a little <laughs> shove, and then Hodjo went after him, and then he was, Benny uh... Cray, he chucked it in reverse <laughs> real quick. <laughs> oh, wow. That origin yeah. moment was incredible. The D-lock, the great cyclone. Lock you yeah. up. Yeah, game 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 309. Well, I think we, we may have been looking for uh, a whitewash, but New South Wales, they played well and beat us. So, yeah, that's the way it ended. It was scenes, though, scenes. Oh, absolute scenes. Now, we've got some more text here. Uh, Beak and Smithy, uh, just wanted to get your thoughts on Dragon signing Jacob Little. Do you think the writing is on the wall for McCulloch? Is it step in the right direction uh, for the Saints? Love the show. Keep it up from an optimistic Dragons fan. Uh, I'm not too sure if the writing's on the wall. I think maybe they're just bringing Jacob Little down there. He's a little bit younger than Andrew McCulloch. Um, I know Andrew McCulloch and and um, Anthony Griffin have a wonderful relationship. So I, I feel as though if... If Hook, um, Anthony Griffin, the, as the coach of the Dragons, felt as though it was it was the best decision for Andrew McCulloch to finish, I'm sure that conversation would have been had by now. I'm sure of it. Yeah, it, it's an interesting one, mate, because there has been, like, reports coming out, you know, McCulloch considering retirement. And when I see that, sometimes I go, where's that coming from? You know, is he getting yeah. – and look, no evidence for this. But no. sometimes it is the case. Like, is he getting pressured to, to move on or what, what's going on there? Well, well sometimes <laughs> – you know, you'd like to think they're not pressured, but unfortunately, it's just it's just the, a part of the industry, Kempi, mm. where you know the the clubs are dealing with salary caps, you know, that and they're also dealing with you know fans and and sponsors and um, you know members that want results. 
And if they feel as though that something needs to be changed in their squad, and 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 sometimes, unfortunately, it, it's it's champion players like Andrew McCulloch who are getting on a little bit in their career. They feel as though that is the change that needs to be made. So if so if he's had a conversation with Anthony Griffin, he's certainly not the first person in rugby league history mm. to to be spoken to by the coach about you know, maybe considering the thought of finishing their career. Mm, it's, he's, uh, absolutely, he's absolutely not the first person that that would have happened to. Mm, for sure. Um, so you'd rather that. Look, to be honest, Kempi, I would rather my coach come to me and say, hey, mate, listen, I think it's time for you to finish mm. rather than play on and and be then forced to not be in the first grade side, maybe play out an entire season in reserve grade. You know, given what Andrew McCulloch has done in, like, in career, like he's he's, he's a state of origin player. Yeah, you know, like go out in a dignified way where it's it's on your terms, and you go right. Okay, look, I've played over three hundred matches. I've played state of origin. I've played in grand finals. I think it's best that I move on. Yeah, I, I think it might be a little bit of a space to watch because if I recall, even when McCulloch came back from injury, I think Bud Sullivan actually started the maybe the last game or two, but that may be yeah. just to get some runs in the rookies' legs. Now, yeah. we're going to head to a break. After the break, we're going to continue, get to your text, and then after that, we got the massive review of the Storm versus the Raiders. Welcome back to the Captain's Run with Cameron Smith. Make sure to text you know, 457 736 736. We've got some text here. Uh... Oh, Kempi, the last try was in the last 20 seconds against 12 men. Wasn't that great of a play? Jeez, guys, please. Sharky from the hour. Oh, sorry, oh, the Sharky. sharky. <laughs> I know you're hurting right now, mate. I know you're hurting. Uh, <laughs> another text here. Hi, Dan and Cameron. Who has a better shot of beating Penrith next week? The Sharkies took them a full 80 minutes a couple of months ago, while South have an unorthodox attack. Latrell in clear career best form. Who do you think? Oh, well... Whoever wins will have the best chance. <laughs> That's what you come here for, guys. Deep, deep analysts from the great minds of rugby league. After the break, if you are Roosters or a Storm fan, text in because we are going to be reviewing the Storm versus Raiders game plus reviewing the Storm versus Roosters seasons. Welcome back to the Captain's Run with the great Cameron Smith. Make sure to download the SEN app or give us a follow on at SEN League on Instagram. Or give us a text 0457 736 736 or call 1300 01 1170. Now, Smithy, I'm sorry, mate. We're going to have to talk about it. No, that's good. Um, I know it's going to hurt. But fortunately (laughs) for non-Melbourne fans, we finally have an opportunity to put the boot in. We finally (laughs) have the opportunity. So everyone, just enjoy the next, I don't know, 10 to 15 (laughs) minutes. Let's make uh, it three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so the storm go down to the Raiders uh, at home. It's uh, I think it is the first time since like 2003 or something, some long time, that both mm. the storm and the Roosters were knocked out and aren't a part of week uh, two of, of finals. Yep. Um, so the storm go out to Raiders. Uh, I guess what do you make of the match, mate? And uh, I guess the storm as a whole. Well, I think, you know, if you listen to Craig Bellamy after the match, he was really disappointed with, um, you know, the, the way the game finished and the way they played, particularly their defense. And, and I think well, the term he used was at times soft as butter. So, you know, knowing the way he coaches and the way that he plans that footy side, it's, it's a lot of the game is based around defense. Um, so, you know, just seeing a couple of the tries that the Raiders scored, they were fairly easy tries um, 
you know, from an NRL standard point of view, and particularly finals. And we spoke about that with with the the, the Sharkies against the Cowboys. So watching that game, here, I thought, oh, geez, it's there was a few signs there where I thought oh, this is going to be a tough one. Um, and we just know that you just know that Canberra are a side that they know how to upset Melbourne. They just know, and I'm not. I, it's it's hard to pinpoint why, but they just they've got a style of footy. Um, that they play and they've they've got this they've got this sort of attitude about them that really gets under the skin of Melbourne players. Um, you know, they've done it for a long time and I think they've got an outstanding result now. They've built an outstanding result at Amy Park. I think they've won the last five there, maybe Kempy. Yeah, something it's like five four now. or five matches. Yeah, yep. five. Yep. Um, you know, so that's the disappointing thing for Melbourne, not just going out week one of the finals. It's the first time that they've been knocked out uh week one of the finals since two thousand and fourteen. And you know what I mean? So, and, and I'm not trying to gloss over a loss, but if you look at their record since then, I think they, they've played in nearly from 2015 onwards till, till this year. I think they, they've played in every prelim. That's incredible. So 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 2020 and 2021. But this is a footy side that they just, they, they make playing finals. That's just their business. Mm. So I think I think it was a bit of a shock for everyone to go. Wow, like the storm, they're out. How good! Like, like you said, like most of the non-storm supporters are like, <laughs> yes, they're gone. Yep, they're gone. They can't, they 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 can't create any sort of havoc in in the finals now for my teams that are still in. But um, I, I think you know Craig was most disappointed, and you could see it on his face during the match and after the game. He was most disappointed with the way they finished because they were sending off four players that have done so much at that footy club. Now, Brandon Smith, he, he spent the least amount of time at the Melbourne Storm um, out of the four of them. And when I say four, it's it's Brandon Smith, uh, Felice Cafusi, and the Bromwich boys, Kenny Bromwich and Jesse Bromwich. So the two Bromwich brothers, they joined the club in 2008 where they come in and played 20, um, under-20s with the Melbourne Storm and progressed their way through into first grade. All four of them are premiership players. And, I, and I'm thinking that Craig, that's not the way he wanted them to finish their career at the Melbourne Storm. Mm. It it really wasn't, but but on the other side, you got to give credit to the Raiders. They come down with a game plan that they just, as I said, they uh, they 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 upset the Storm rhythm. They they found ways to score. They they actually scored a couple of you know pretty decent tries, um, and one sort of fortunistic one at the end there where it it come off. Was it Seb Chris? <laughs> yeah, well, come off Seb Noggin. Come off his melon. It was a it was a falcon, classic falcon, one of the best all time. Um, to to help them progress through, and it come and and I'll tell you what, Fogarty had to come up with an amazing kick. Mm. Um, you know, at the end there to to put them ahead by eight, which really sealed the deal for the result. But um, yeah, they progress through. They find a way to to knock off the Melbourne Storm at home, which is a very hard thing to do. Yeah, look, it, it, it's it's. We spoke about it last week, Smithy. It was almost like the one side out of the entire eight that Storm didn't want to play. I mean, again, there's no sides they don't want to play. But like in reality, if there is one side that you were, if you were betting on, it would literally be the Raiders, and they're the ones that come eighth. It's it's the Raiders that seem to have some. You know, I know Ricky and Belair are friends, but always there's just like there's a friendly competitiveness between them two. Very competitive oh, blokes. Yeah, they're like. like let me tell you, they they are good mates, but they're they're not friends game day. No, I definitely don't not why. friends game day. They they are ultra competitive and they always want to get a win against each other. 
But yeah, Stick's got the uh, he's got the wood over Belliac of, of recent times. Now, the, I, this is going to be, I guess, tough to talk about because you know you're an ex Storm player and and you know these boys. But and this is not to be, you know, these guys, those four blokes have been incredible players, incredible players. But the, the concern I had for Storm coming into this year was I just felt their forward pack's depth was a bit light. And then I also, as the year progressed, I just felt that maybe the explosiveness, it's only natural as you get older, the yeah. explosiveness compared to other packs like a Tarpanair, Papali'i, although he's getting older, he's still probably, I think, a little bit younger than some of the forwards there. Yeah. Um, I just felt the young, youthful explosiveness of the Raiders may be too good for the Storm. Is that something that you identified or what would, you know, was that the difference? What did you feel the difference was between Storm and the Raiders? Oh, look, I think um, it's it's hard to sort of pinpoint just on that match. I think when talking about the Storm season, the, they had an injury list like they've never seen before. Mm, the most in the um, comp. Yeah, most in the comp. So, you know, they were dealing with that. And it wasn't just, it wasn't just injuries to sort of, you know, a player that would be, yeah, you know, a fringe player in first grade or a guy that is just out there as one of your workers um, in the team. They were to guys that played in the key position. So um, Ryan Pappenhausen, like, how many yeah. games did Paps play this year? Maybe ten. Yeah, and, he, and the ones that he did, he was absolutely incredible. Yeah, well, early on, like a lot of people were talking about him playing for New South Wales this mm. year. Mm. Um, that's that's the form that he was in. So he, so he he he. He injured his hamstring and did his knee early in the year. He spent six weeks on the sideline, come back for a couple of games, and then that's when he um, smashed his kneecap, and that was it for him. That was that was game over for, for his season. Um, Jerome Hughes spent time off the park. Cameron Munster t- spent time off the park. So did Brandon Smith. Harry Grant. Harry Grant played his full first full series of State of Origin, so he missed a few games as well. Um, and, and look, th- these aren't excuses, but they were, they were things that the team had to deal with that they haven't dealt with before. And then also trying to you know win matches with young guys, inexperienced guys, and an aging forward pack. Mm. Um, and look, yeah, I won't say that they didn't play well this year, but I thought for the most part they they held their own against some of these younger guys. But you can see it's just a natural progression, isn't it? Mm. Particularly with the way the game's played now, it's very up tempo. Um, you know, with set restarts and all that sort of stuff, the younger guys with fresh legs. They're the guys that handle a lot better, and it's it's a it's a big reason why the North Queensland Cowboys are in the prelim. Yeah, like you look at look have a look at their team across the park, particularly their forward pack. Well, Jason Tamalolo is the oldest guy in that forward pack, I think. Yeah, you know, you He's, look at Griffin Neem, you look at Tom Gilbert. Maybe McLean's um, the only other older one, but yeah, yeah, maybe Macca. Yeah, but he's missed a bit of footy, so yeah. he's probably fairly fresh. Yeah. Um, who else is there? Um, Reuben Cotter. You know, like they've just they've all got. Fr- you know, young, fresh legs. They're energetic. They haven't played a lot of football like the Bromwich boys and and Felice Kafusi and and these type of players. Um, but it's difficult. It's difficult being up for so long like the Melbourne Storm have um, to to be at that level every week um, and and finishing you know sort of in in the last week like playing a grand final or playing a prelim every year because teams are after you. Mm. Teams are after you, and it's just um, you know I think. You know, Craig may have mentioned too in his post game stuff. Like it, it's, it's, it's been something that's sort of building slowly um, over the last couple of years for them. Now to the Raiders, uh, what an incredible win for that club. I mean, they went the start of the season. I'm pretty sure, and I might be one game off, maximum one game off, but I think they went one and seven to open the season. Yeah, they and did. 
You know, I spoke about it earlier on my podcast where Fogarty, the signing of Fogarty, mm. the negative impact that's had on the Titans and the positive impact that's oh, had on the Raiders wow. has been absolutely incredible. We even got a text here saying, how come Fogarty isn't being considered for signing of the year? Look, I wouldn't say he's signing of the year yet. Now, look, if they go on and win a comp, then, you know, maybe you, <laughs> absolutely. Could, you could definitely look at it. But I tell you what, what I will say for sure is that he is definitely the most underrated signing of the year because ever since he's came back into this side, they're back in the end of their season. I think they went like seven wins and three losses. Like they were on a run. Right now they're on a run. I, th- I don't think they've lost in quite a few weeks. Yep. You know, with the Raiders, can they go all the way? Can they really do be the dark horse and do that? Well, absolutely. Yeah. Like anything's possible. I think if you if going off the first weekend of the finals, everyone would be just saying, oh, look, it's Penrith. Mm. And that's it. Like... Who else is going to beat Penrith? But you just don't know. You you do not know what's going to happen come grand final. And if Canberra can make their way through, well, they've got to get through this week first when they're playing Parramatta. Plenty of storylines there, of course, with um, that Parramatta being Ricky Stewart's former club that he coached at. So there's no doubt there'll be a little bit of feeling involved in this one as well. Mm. But they they got to get through this week first and foremost. Then they've got to play a prelim and worry about the other games afterwards. But... Anyone on their day, and, and we mentioned this last week, when you get to finals, forget about what's happened during the year. Forget about it. It's done. It is done. It does not matter one bit because when you line up, when the eight teams line up week one of the finals, they are all back to square one. Mm. They are all back to even keel. They, they're, they're back on the start line. They're getting ready for that, you know, the last four weeks of the season. And whoever is the, the best team in the last month, they win the whole thing. Yeah. It doesn't matter about minor premierships. It doesn't matter about your record, you know, in the, in the 25 rounds throughout the season. You just need to be the best team in the last month of footy. Now, Penrith and Cowboys, they put themselves in a very good position where the, all they need to do is play one more game to be in a grand final. Yeah. They got, they got the advantage of having a week off. They stay at home. They don't travel. There's none of that sort of stuff. But... That still doesn't guarantee them a spot in the grand final. You just do not know what's going to happen. Like, have a look at, have a look at the Roosters on the weekend. You tell yeah. me if you tell me if James Tedesco doesn't fail a HIA. What was it? Twenty minutes into the game. Yeah, about that. Like it may have been a very different story. Mm. So what's to say that you know when you when people think oh it's Penrith and that's it, let's say Penrith play a prelim and I'm not trying to at all put <laughs> any sort of um, put the mocker on Penrith here at all, but Let's say one of their key players gets knocked out in the early early exchanges mm. and fails a HIA, yeah, and goes off the field, and that's it. You just you do not know. It's not it's not like the the old game that we that we grew up watching where you cop a whack and just oh mate you'll be right stay out there we need you. No, that's it. Like there's independent doctors involved. Mm. So so many things can go into winning a premiership these days, and a lot of it is luck. A lot of it is the amount of work you put in, the effort and the commitment to your game plan. But, you know, most certainly the Raiders on their day, they could go all the way. Yeah. I mean, just quick, before we head to a break, just a quick shout out to Ricky Stewart's ability to bring that team back together. They lost their main number nine in their captain Hodgson after a yeah. few minutes at the start of the season. They lost their halfback last year in uh, Georgie Williams. You know, these are key players in key positions. He decided to debut a young rookie fullback and replace Charles Nickel-Cluxad, who took him to a mm. grand final. Mm. You know, th- these are key, key. Jared Croker, he chose to play young rookie centers in Croker's position. 
These yep. are big outs that a lot of other coaches wouldn't have been able to deal with. So quick shout out to Ricky for that. Uh, we're going to head to a break. After the break, we've going to review the storm season, rooster season a little bit, but also we're going to talk about the absolutely incredible clash of the roosters v the Rabbitohs. Welcome back to the captain's run with the great Cameron Smith. Make sure to follow at SCN league on Instagram, the best Instagram in all the land. Oh, sorry. The best page for footy on Instagram in all the land. Now we've got a text. It's from Steve in St. Mary's. Steve-o. Good old Steve-o. St. Mary's, eh? Uh, Cameron, I'd love for the storm to abandon the color purple. I find it impossible to match any jeans, and my jean selection is extensive. Maybe a navy blue or a beige. That's from Steve. Thoughts on changing the colour, Smitty? Wow, Steve must be, he must get around in the, the purple Storm jersey a fair bit. Um, no, I don't think, you, uh, well, the, the Storm is purple, right? So they're not going to change that. I, I suggest maybe Steve looks at maybe colour selection for his, his jeans, his trousers, whatever it is. Maybe, maybe like a light blue or even white. Yeah, I, you know what? I've seen Kempi. I've seen. I've seen when, like, in the, my years going over to the sort of North Shore playing against Manly. Yeah, I've actually seen a lot of that sort of combo that that purple lavender top with a maybe a white jean. Yeah. On, on guys over there, like in and around like the Collaroy Long Reef area. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Seen it a lot. Yeah. So Steve O, maybe I, I know you're out at St Mary's area, out a bit west, but maybe go that combo, mate. Take it out west. Mate, I, uh, Steve, I don't know what you look like, mate, but I reckon you'd look damn fine in some white jeans. Tight white. too. Yep. Tight and white. white. Skinny. Um, skinny, white, absolutely. Skinny <laughs> With the Storm jersey. Yes, absolutely. Straight down the pub. Send us a picture if, picture if you want, Steve. Um, <laughs> now, let's get on to Roosters v. the Rabbitohs. Uh, look, <laughs> now, this is a really bizarre match because if you actually looked at the rugby league being played, you know, there wasn't min- a lot of it. There wasn't a lot of it. <laughs> no. It, it went for about a 1,000 hours. Um, there were patches of some really, really good footy. But as a spectacle, this was absolute insanity. What did you think yeah. of Roosters Rabbitohs? Well, I, I sat down with the family actually on Sunday, jumped in the lounge room. I thought, let's let's just, just lock ourselves in for this one. This is going to be outstanding. And the um, – like you've got to take yourself back to game three of Origin this year to, to – even um, match up any any game that's been played, particularly this year, to compare what happened between these two sides on Sunday afternoon, and even throw back to like nineties, throw back to the eighties, mm. and a lot of our listeners, you know, wouldn't have watched watched a lot of football. We we certainly didn't through that time. I, I may have caught like the late eighties, Kempy, but um, it was it was physical, it was rough, and at times, as you said. It, there wasn't a lot of rugby league being played. It was there was scuffles, there was pushing and shoving, there was head high tackles. Um, there's a few little melees here and there. Guys on the ground being attended to by trainers. The bunker looking at replays. And like, to be honest, a little bit into that second half, I thought, oh, I, I can't watch this anymore. Mm. I was just, come on, boys, let's just play footy. Mm. And and listening to the two coaches post game. That was that was really the message from from both coaches. Is that I'm sure they they would have preferred their teams to be just worry about their footy, and they said as they said as much afterwards, just saying, look, you know, I thought you know both both sides really they probably let the occasion get to them a little bit um, too much, you know, they they went away from playing footy, and in the end, I think Trent Robinson said that you know the Rabbitohs they just they handled the occasion a lot better than what his team did. 
I wonder whether Robbo, you know, because Robbo, obviously an, an incredible coach, incredible coach, and everything he's achieved has been, you know, absolutely amazing, and he's still so young. But mm. I wonder if he'll learn a lot from this game of – because, you know, my understanding of watching the way Robbo coaches, he almost likes to create, like, warriors with discipline and aggression and toughness. And sometimes, you know, I feel like on the weekend, maybe that warrior spirit spirit got a bit of the best of some of the boys because they were refusing to let certain things go, you know, like Radley, Hargreaves, like let's say a Rabbitohs player gave one back to them, then they it just tit for tat. And mm-hmm. I wonder if Robbo will take something into next season or like let's say they get into the finals next year. I wonder if, if his approach is just like tweaks it slightly to make sure – that, and again, let's be clear. I'm not just saying it was the Rabbitohs that let it get to them. I'm sorry, the Roosters. The Rabbitohs also let it get to them. I'm just saying it because yeah. the Roosters didn't get the win. Do yep. you think that they tweak anything, you know, before games coming in the future? Or this was just a one-off where things got out of hand and, and it's just the way it is? Well, there's no doubt that, you know, I think the players will learn just themselves from that um, experience of, of playing in that match. and. You look back on those games, Kempi, you know that when you finish a game and you think, oh, look, I just, I wasn't at my best. Why were the reasons for that? Um, and, you, and, you, and you try and find reasons. Some, some stick out clearly. Some others you've got to sort of search and, and sort of ask yourself a, a few deeper questions. But I think, you know, listening to some comments out of the game um, from, from those players was that they, they said, yeah, I, I think uh, – See why Takiaho has come out and said, "Yeah, I'll, I'll let the occasion get the better of me." Mm. As far as the emotion of it all, because he's moving on, he's going over to the English Super League. So um, sometimes, you know, sometimes emotion is great. Okay, it, it's part of sport, and it and it's what uh, makes you know things so interesting, particularly for the fans, is the emotional battle and the emotional, um, you know, commitment and, and part of sport. But on the most part, I, well, you know, from my point of view, I found throughout my career is that when you put the emotion aside and just worry about the football and go out there and get things done, you you ex- go and execute your game plan. That's when things happen for you, in in a positive way. You know, there's no doubt that that emotion emotion plays a part in in sport. But for me, I I always found that if if I if I just relied on emotion to get me through matches of football, particularly the big games. You know, th- they were some of the games that I, I, I wasn't at my best. Mm. When I knew exactly what needed to happen, I knew exactly what my role was. And, and no matter what happened during the game, whether there was a bit of a blow up and, you know, some pushes and shoves and things happened throughout the match, if, if I was able to get my mind quickly back onto the game, go back to the team and settle them down and say, hey, boys, let's get back to playing football, mm. more times than not, the result would go your way. Well, I mean, you only have to go back to your grand final win where, you know, you got the boys in a huddle after that were just, you know, offloading and, you know, yeah. you know trying oh, yeah. to live in the moment. What do you, do you remember, you know, what you said to the boys in the huddle and I guess to bring them back down to, I guess, well, playing that, good I think, I think you're referring to 2020. Yes. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. In like the dying moments when we, we lost, who did we lose? I think we lose Cheese, I think. Cheese went off yeah. as well. It was either Cheese. It was Cheese or Jerome that went first. Either, either one. They both went off in the end. But we were down to 12 men. But we we were ahead. And, and we were ahead comfortably still with only, you know, maybe three minutes or four minutes to go on the clock. So there was absolutely no need to be to be pushing passes or chancing our arm. We weren't chasing points. Mm. We were ahead. We were in a very strong position to just 
finish that game off. So I remember grabbing the boys and just saying, hey, boys, like, we don't need to do that. Time and place. Mm. Have a look at the situation we're in. We're up by, I think we might have been up by 12, something like that. Um, and, like, hey, boys, just take the tackle. Yeah. Make, the, make, make our way down the field, kick the ball long, defend our set. That's all it was. And, and that's, it, sometimes you just need a bit of a reminder. Yeah. Because the blood starts to pump a bit. You know, the atmosphere, the crowd are roaring. You know, mm. Penrith, are, Penrith are finding their way back. They're playing well. And sometimes that whole sort of, the, you know, the atmosphere and the emotion of it all, it gets the better of you. Mm. And your brain stops thinking yeah. about what, what's needed. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? It's, you're just acting on impulse. So sometimes when you just, hey, boys, you just hit the reset button and just go, hey, boys, look, this is, this is what we need to do. This is what needs to happen for mm. the you know, next little period of play. Let's get back to that. Get our game back on track. Yeah. Uh, look, it was an incredible spectacle. I, I, I enjoyed it as a spectacle. Um, but I think both teams will learn a lot from that. I tell you what, it goes down in that rivalry book as one of the great, like one of the oh, great clashes. It goes in the book of feuds. Oh, mate. Book of Feuds, absolutely. Now, we're going to head to the news after the news. We're going to give a quick review to Storm and Rooster's season, and then we've got plenty more footy to talk about because we've got some pretty big matches coming up. Welcome back to the Captain's Run with Cameron Smith. Now, Smitty, just a quick wrap-up of the Storm Rooster's season. Now, with the Storm, my I guess my personally, looking at it from, I guess, trying to analyse next year for them, I just don't know what they're going to have in the forward pack. You've got Big Nelson. You've got guys like uh, Holworth coming through, who's a rookie, a, a much highly touted rookie. You've got Tarek mm-hmm. Sims. But I'm just trying to think, outside of that, uh, do you think they've recruited well enough or have they got people in the that are coming through that you're aware of that could step up next year? Well, they've always got a good talent pool as far as like their development players are concerned. And... Um, Jack Howarth, he's well. He just he was just resigned this year for a five. I think it was a five year extension. Wow, on some pretty big money, but Ooh. he's yet to play NRL. Um, so you know, I'm guessing if if they if they've committed themselves to to a young man um, for five years, mm. I'm guessing that he'll see some game time next year. Now he's a centre slash back rower, mm. um, so maybe that's that's somewhere um, or someone to to they look to. Long term, I guess, fill the void of um, a Kenny Bromwich or a Felice Cafusi. Trent Liero um, has mm. played a, f- a fair few games this year. Yeah, um, he debuted in twenty one, so last season. So I'm I'm thinking that yeah, he may go into that back row role as well. But yeah, it's it's more outside of Tarek Sims. Um, yeah, once again, the Melbourne Storm they haven't really re- recruited. Um, Experienced players. Mm. They haven't recruited any sort of, um, you know, guys that have played, you know, let's say 150 plus games, you know, played state of origin outside of Tarek Sims. So um, they've got the young back rower from the Warriors, eh? Katoa. I think it's Katoa. Yeah, that's true. Um, who is, who gonna is be great, I reckon. a very good player and, 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 and someone that was, you know, the Warriors were even talking about, you know, his debut season and how good he went. So maybe he slips into that starting back row role mm. um, that, that those, that Kenny Bromwich and both, um, both he and Felice Cafusi has, uh, have opened up, but there's no doubt this is going to be a, a challenging season coming up in 23 for the storm. Um, they still don't know what Cameron Munster is doing. Yep. Um, the longer that drags on, oh, I feel as though, you know, the storm will be 
more concerned with whether he stays or not. So be very interesting to see what happens um, and, and how their season goes. Like, let's just say after November 1, he announces he, he'll be joining the – well, let's not just say – let's not say the Dolphins. Let's just say he's, he's moving elsewhere. Mm. What does that do to their season? Does that create disruption? Mm. I hope not because, you know, he's, he's already said that he's committed to Melbourne for 23 um, and he can go on and play his best footy. Maybe, maybe that – maybe a decision either way, um, you know, whether, he, whether it's he stays at Storm or moves on. That just eases his mind a little bit. It eases everyone else's mind, and they just get on with their business in, in 2023. Another big reason, you know, you want the Munster stuff done sooner rather than later is it's it's it puts pressure on your cap because if you know you've got a million dollars to go into the market, you can start making some phone calls now for 2024 and yeah. give yourself the best chance to recruit a big, big signing. So, um, mm. yeah, agreed in regards to uh, big year for the Storm. Yeah, but and, and there's no doubt, like, the, the club has dealt with, um, you know, some changes across, you know, the last four or five seasons at that at that club, and a lot of um, experienced guys have, have moved on and they've handled it well. Um, but, yeah, losing someone or, or people, a group of people like the Bromwich boys and Kafusi and you throw in Brandon Smith. Yeah. Like he is he is a he is a one-of-a-kind style of player. Absolutely. There's no other player in this competition that plays the way he does mm. and can do the things he does. Mm. So now they're going to have to find, well, I, I don't think they'll look for someone that plays like he does, but what they will have to do is, is, is find, you know, multiple people that will provide the energy, the explosiveness, the, the game breaking abilities that Brandon Smith had for that footy club for a long, for, you know, several years. Now, speaking of Brandon Smith, he'll be going to the Roosters. It's really interesting the Roosters are in a strange position because last year with all the injuries, they almost came out of the year, everyone going, wow, there's a premiership next year. Look, they finished fifth and they had all of their stars injured. Imagine what they can do with a full-strength side. Now, they finished this year and they actually get bounced out first week. How do you see the Roosters going next year? Are they still, you know you know, in that window for premiership or where do you see them? Well, again, it's another club with a couple of changes and like there's always changes in, in every club um, throughout the competition. But they were, they were someone at the start of the year where I, I was thinking, like you were talking about that aging forward pack, Kempe. Mm. I had similar thoughts about the Roosters, you know, Jared yeah. Weir, Hargreaves, um, Siwa Takiahu, who, who we know is, is moving on. Um, but they, they actually, <laughs> they started to play some of their best football at the back end of the year. Yeah. Now I covered a couple of the Roosters games at, at the start of the year in the first sort of month to, to six weeks, and I was speaking with Trent Robinson and a couple of their their players, um, and they they mentioned to me how they had a very disrupted preseason. Mm. Now you you cannot underestimate the 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 value of having a really big preseason. Yeah. It's it's what it's what uh, you know my entire career at Melbourne Storm was built on with Craig Bellamy, and he said like. If you want to have a good season, you need to have a, a good preseason. Mm. That's where it all starts. The work at, at the end of um, – in the last couple of months of the year, follow, you, know, you have your Christmas break and then, you, and then you build again for another you know, 10 weeks before the start of the season. It's so crucial. So, like, when you're talking – I was talking with, um, you know, Trent Robinson. He said, you know, we had disruption with, um, you know, COVID. We had disruption with injuries. Um, a few players, um, 
were spent time away from training because um, their partners gave birth to children. Mm. Um, so, you know, it was very disrupted. And Luke Keery, I think, he, he hardly trained with, with the team. You know, he was doing his own stuff, you know, doing some recovery work and, and whatnot, getting back into, um, you know, his running and, and, and all that sort of stuff. So um, you could see in the back end when they actually started spending a little bit of time together on the field, you could see the cohesion and the combinations building, and that's when they started playing their, their best football. And what they win, eight in a row? They won eight in a row. Yeah. So they're a, they're a footy side and a footy club that, that they're always looking to, you know, um, be better. Um, you know, Trent Robinson himself, he's always looking to be better. He'll, he'll would have learned lessons from this year as well. They're, they're much like the Melbourne Storm. I've never been a part of the Roosters, but talking to people within that organisation, I believe that's what that club is like and that's what the coach is like. So if it starts like that at the top, the players will be the same. So until we, we get a look at their, their roster next year, um, going into 2023 season, you would not say that you know, their opportunities next year to win a premiership are gone. Yeah, look, I, same, with, same, with, same with Melbourne. Same with Melbourne. They're very, they're very similar organisations. Yeah, I, I agree. In regards to Melbourne, I just think you, they've proven time and time again, every time you think that they're out, they just come back somehow, some way and get the job done. In regards to the Roosters, I think they're in for a big, big year. The more time Radley, uh, Keary, Walker, Tedesco and Cheese can play together, it is just going to be a scary, scary prospect. A lot of people, some people feel that Cheese is more of a forward, but we have to remember in the, <laughs> in the year that he was, like preseason he started as a, a hooker, he won the Dally M Hooker of the Year. You know, yeah, 20, 2021. Yeah, 2021, Dally M Hooker of the Year. So when you look at a spine that is Radley, Tedesco, Sam Walker, Keary, Cheese, I tell you what, that's a dangerous spine. So I think the Roosters are in for a big, big year next year. We're going to head to a break. After the break, we're going to review the nines of the year. So who has been the best hooker in the NRL this year? And we're going to break down, you know, some unsung heroes, some guys that can improve, and also some guys have had incredible years. Uh, Smithy is going to give his uh, thoughts on the nines for 2022. Welcome back to the Captain's Run with Cameron Smith. Thanks to the SCN app. Download it anytime for free at the App Store, and you can listen to it anywhere. Uh, let's take a look at the remaining hookers in the NRL finals and break down their games. We've got Appy Coruscant, 23 games, 4 tries, 12 try assists, 13 line break assists, and he averages 41 tackles a game. Reese Robson, he's got 7 tries, 7 try assists, uh, and 42 tackles a game. Then we've got Blake Braley, 4 tries, 9 try assists, 9 line break assists, 43 tackles a game. Reese, uh, Ma- uh, Reed Marnie, he's got 8 tries, 6 try assists, uh, and a line break assist, and he averages 42 tackles. You got Cookie with eight tries, seven try assists, and 10 line break assists. Then you got Wolford with zero tries, eight try assists, fine line break assists, and 22 tackles uh, average per game. Now, Smithy, out of these five, out of these six hookers, who do you feel's had the the best year? Um, well, it's a difficult one because they're all when you look at their stats that you just read out there, like they're all pretty well matched up against each other. Uh, very similar. Um, Zach Wolford, he's the least experienced of the lot. Um, made his debut this season and he's only played the 16 games. But I was really impressed with him on the weekend against Melbourne. I just thought he, he's got a little bit of mongrel in him, a lot like his old man did, mm. Simon. And um, he just he got he got him off to a really good start. He got himself in front of you know the big boys like Jesse Bromwich and Nelson Asofa-Solomona and 
Um, he just he didn't take a backward step. And, and what he did, he, he doesn't overplay his hand at dummy half. So he gets an opportunity to run. He'll have a little scoot and have a little scamper, have a look at the defensive line. But the most part, he just he delivers a really nice pass to the guys that you know to his forwards running onto the ball. He gives you know guys like Papali'i and Tarpane early early football to let them do their thing. And then he you know and then he gives great service to the halves when they need the football. So um, really impressed with Zach Wolford and his start on the weekend. I think out of those six, though, I'd probably say Reese Robson. Mm. Yeah, I reckon I'd lean towards Reese Robson. I think he's been outstanding for the Cowboys this year. Um, another young man who's played, you know, he played a little bit of football before going up to the Cowboys. I just think he's made such a difference there. And he, you, know, you think over the last what last year, um, you know, he's playing that sort of tandem role with Jake Granville. Some games he'd start, some games he'd come off the bench. I just think he's form, um, and he must have had a huge preseason. Um, you know, talking about preseasons earlier, but he must have just put himself in a position where Todd Payton just said, "Like I, I can't not pick him. Mm. I can't not pick him at nine. He's playing that well." So you know, on top of his his, you know, he's got great service from dummy half. He's got a really nice pass on him. He's a great runner of the football. The first time on the weekend, I was doing a little bit of work on the sideline pre-game, Kempi. Mm. It's the first time I've see, seen him up close. Mm. And, mate, he is a little nugget. Is he? He is a little nugget. He's a thick little fella. So it shows why he's <laughs> so hard to bring down and, and why, he's, why he's able to run. He's got a good running game. Um, you know, he's averaging you know 75 metres per game. On top of that, he's making plenty of tackles, as most dummy halves do. But... You know, it's it's hard to overlook some of these guys. Like Api Corusau, again, he's played 23 matches. He's played Origin this year. The Panthers, they were by far the best team throughout the regular season and look as though they're, they're in the box seat to go into another grand final. So he's played great. Blake Braley, another young man at, at the Sharks, I think he's been integral to their season. And, and along with Nico Hines, I think it's and, – and Matt Moylan, of course. I think he's been great. Reed Marnie's played strong again. Yeah, Damien Cook, like he had a slow start to the year, didn't he, Damien Cook? Yeah. Everyone was saying like he's not running, like he probably shouldn't be picked for Origin, but he come good around that Origin period, and mm. he's really played a lot of great footy. Um, it's hard to single one out, but if I had to, it'd be Reese Robson. Reese Robson, out of those final six, at least. Mm. There's 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 a lot of there's a lot of good dummy halves that aren't in that final six. I have to mention Harry Grant, like when you. When you stack up his stats and and, oh. and look, cl- like put it this like clearly stats aren't the be all and end all because if they were, Harry Grant Harry Grant's got the great the, the best stats out of any dummy half in the comp, but he's not playing he's not in the last three weeks of the competition. You know what I mean? Yeah. Stats aren't everything, but if I can read his stats out compared to the, those six left, he played nineteen matches, scored six tries, sixteen try assists. Holy. 15 line break assists and averaged 92 metres and 40 tackles a game. So, you know, he, he was heavily involved in that in that Storm lineup, particularly with their attack this year. And he created a lot of opportunities, a lot of opportunities with points. Um, that was just a special mention outside of that. But but I guess the one thing that does show, Kempi, is that stats aren't the be-all and end-all. Yeah. They're a, they're a good guide, but it doesn't mean that... that that makes you necessarily the best nine in the game or it's going to help your team win a premiership. Yeah, Reece, oh, I agree. I totally agree. And, and like, just quickly on the Reese Robson thing, really interesting because he was also battling Cotter for the nine position. Cotter has played a bit of nine himself. 
And yeah. he, he pushed Cotter into that 13 role, or 13 slash front row role. And it's been an absolute masterstroke uh, for both players. Uh, yep. You know, so yeah, Reese Robson for me, his improvement. Last year watching him play, I was like, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to kick on. He had a lot of raps coming through. Obviously at the Dragons, they let him go. I think he played Aussie schoolboys coming through and he used to basically battle uh, uh, Blake Braley, um, yes. you know, uh, through schoolboys. But I, we're really getting sport for talent when it comes to nines. Got so many great nines. Look, we're going to head to a break. After the break, we've still got to preview the absolutely huge knockout matches this week. Welcome back to the captain's run with Cameron Smith. Now we've got some text here, Smithy, before we head to the break. Yep. Uh, hey, Kempi and Smithy, first of all, why isn't anyone talking about Fogarty for signing of the season? He's come in, steady the ship, really got us going in the second half of the year. Um, yeah, we discussed this earlier. Thoughts, yep. Smithy? Yeah, no, great, great signing. It was, it, was, it was unfortunate, wasn't it, that he had that knee injury start of the year, missed a whole chunk, missed a couple of months. Yeah. Um, imagine what the Titans people are thinking watching oh, him play now. Ouch, ouch. Oof. And also, like, before he left, they literally had just re-signed him. <laughs> oh, oh no. Good. Oh, no. Anyway, we're going to go to a break. After the break, we're going an in-depth, deep dive into knockout finals footies. You must stay tuned for this, guys. Cannot wait. Welcome back to the Captain's Run with the great Cameron Smith. Remember, you can catch up on anything you missed from the show via our podcast, which you can download now on the SEN app, or you can follow us on Apple and Spotify. You just type in the Captain's Run, boom, give her a follow, then you're good to go. Now, call one 300 or text 0457-736-736. Ask us any of your footy questions. But let's get to the business, Smithy. The Eels versus the Raiders, 750, Combank Stadium. Mitchell Moses has been named despite the suffering a concussion and will be monitored throughout the week. And then we've got the Canberra Raiders uh, with Adam Elliott. He'll miss the game due to a pelvic injury. Corey Huttawira and I replaces him in the starting side with Ryan Sutton joining the bench. I tell you what, that's not a bad replacement. Not bad at all. Now, we have to ask the key question, I think, for the whole match, Smithy. How will Mitch Moses recover after his concussion last week against the Panthers? And can the Eels win mm. unless he's at 100%? Oh, look, I don't know. It, it makes it much harder, doesn't it, mm. um, if Mitch Moses isn't there? And we've seen the effects of his absence in the second half last week against Penrith. Um, their kicking game was it just – it was all at sea when he wasn't there. And he's their main kicker. He, he would kick, I reckon, 95% of their kicks. Mm. And it's surprising. Like, does Dylan Brown not have a kick? Does he not have a kicking game? I thought I thought he actually kicked the ball okay. But, yeah, same. Um yeah, it, it look it, it makes the 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 it, it makes the 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 way to go out and play well and and win um, for Parramatta much more difficult um, if he's not there. He, he's another guy that yeah, and you say this a lot a lot about um, all the number sevens in the competition, but um, a lot of the game is based around him. Mm. And in in the big matches, if you don't have a, a strong kicker. Um, it it makes it makes it a lot harder to to get to build pressure and and to get in positions to actually you know score points against the opposition. Um, but we've seen pictures this week of him out in the training paddock, and I think I've I've heard him talk already about you know like there's some things there's some protocols that need to happen throughout the week, and there's some there's some maybe a, another test that he needs to 
pass to get through, but things are looking positive for himself. Um, so I think he'll line up. I think he'll line up and play um, against the Raiders. But again, this is this is this is a Raiders side who are just in fantastic form. They've got a lot of belief. There's there is nothing to lose for this footy side. And Ricky Ricky come out and said it after they beat the Storm is that there's no pressure on them because there's no expectation. You know, people people believe this footy side after the first, you know, two months of the, the competition that they were no chance. They were no chance to play finals, so why would they be a chance to win the premiership? So they're just they're gonna go out and play that way and have that same mindset. It's it's almost like in this like Goldilocks zone where you've got belief and also happiness. And what I mean by that is that they can go out and enjoy their footy, like because there's no pressure. So you, you you've got this yeah. like crazy amount of belief, but also you've got this like, look, boys, we can just just enjoy it, like because if we get bounced out, so what? People thought we were going to battle for the bottom four at the middle of the yeah. year. Yeah. Um, on top of all that, they've got scalps on their record. They've beaten the Sharkies. They've beaten the Storm a couple times. Um, you know, they weren't absolutely dominated by the Panthers. Like obviously they lost, but. They weren't completely out of it. So I agree, mate. I think the Raiders are in a very, like, again, it's like a Goldilocks zone between pressure and ha- and enjoying your footy. Sometimes, you know, teams can go out, and if there's too much pressure, they they forget to have fun. And it sounds so, yeah. you know, cliche, like have fun playing footy, but sometimes it becomes a bit of a job instead of it being re- realising that I'm actually enjoying every minute of being on this field. Yeah. And I think the – I think – for Parramatta, like I know they had a, a loss last week, but they were playing against a good footy side and they played really well, Penrith. They 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 need to have the same approach. Like it's everyone knows the situation. It's do or die now. So you can't afford to go into this match, you know, you know, tentative or second guessing yourself or, or worrying about the result. The result will take care of itself if you go out there with the right attitude and play well. That, that's the mindset they need to have. Like, just have an understanding and acknowledge that, hey, boys, this is it for us now. Mm. Okay? The second chance is gone. Well, sorry. Yeah, it's gone because we use, we've used it up. We, we lost. Now we're playing again. We're still in it. The mindset needs to be, what does our best football look like? And let's go and get that done. Mm. Each and every one of us play our role in, in that game plan that, that helps us play the way we did when we beat Penrith twice, we beat Melbourne twice. Um, they are they are the, the giant killers of this competition. So everyone knows that the Parramatta's got it in them. It's just a matter of them executing that on game day and not letting expectation of others, like, get to them. Mm. Because, like, what's, what's the talk been about Parramatta for the last, what, five years, Kempi? Like they need to win a premiership. They yeah. need to win a premiership. This is their chance. They've got the squad. Well, this is the last time this squad will play together. Mm-hmm. So, boys, go and make the most of it. Speaking of that, Smithy, it's going to sound harsh, but is Brad Arthur under pressure if they get bounced out two games? Well, in a row? Well, well, look, I think. Well, is he under pressure internally? We don't know that. Mm. He, he certainly will be externally. Mm. There's, oh, I think. I think the the question marks will be raised. Mm. So if they go if they go lost, lost, gone, I think the questions will come for 
for his job and whether he's the best person for that footy club moving forward. But in saying that, <laughs> who's, who's better? Yeah, that's the question. <laughs> that, you know what I mean? We're quick, we're quick to point the finger and say, oh, mate, he's no good. There's another failed season. Let's, like, get rid of him. Well, okay, who are you going to replace him with? Yeah. And who's going to make the squad coming in for 2023 perform better than what Brad Arthur did? Like, they finished fourth. They got a top four spot. They're in week two of the finals. Like, in, in eight other clubs' minds, they'd be pretty happy to finish where they finished. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? But, and, and you know, but that, that's, a, that's a very simplistic way of looking at it because, you know, of course, teams like the Dogs and West Tigers and the Warriors, teams like this would say, yeah, we'd swap them. We'd be happy with that. But, you know, this is, this is you're looking at a squad here with Parramatta that they've put together and they put a lot of time and effort into that should be, should be challenging for a premiership. Yeah, I agree, mate. And I think that, you know, it's also the people. Look, the Raiders, don't get me wrong. I think they really are a dark horse and they absolutely on their day can beat any team. But if you said at the start of the year, the Eels have to beat the Raiders to get into a prelim and they don't, you would say that's outrageously, um, <laughs> that's a poor performance. That should never happen. That should never happen. Like yeah. if everything's on the line and you get to meet up against the Raiders, second week of the finals to get into a prelim, and the the team that the Eels have on paper, and again, the Raiders have proven they can take it to anyone. But yeah. when you're looking at it on paper and you look at the forward pack and then you look at the backs, in no world should anyone be satisfied if the Eels lose on this weekend. Like in no world is coming fourth and then losing both games. Now, look, mm. the Penrith, like put it this way, if they played Penrith and then they played the Melbourne Storm and they lost those games, I think a lot of people could say, look, they just got up against two absolute giants of the competition. But yep. the loss to Penrith, okay, yep, disappointing. But then if you go on to lose, like when you look at the Eels run right now, they have to beat the Raiders and the Cowboys and they're in a grand final. That anything less than that is is almost it shouldn't happen really. Yeah. Well, given their like I said, given the quality of of their roster, like the lineup, their best lineup is as good as any in the competition. When you like um, pound for pound, when you when you're watching the the team list, mm. um, but sometimes that that just doesn't transfer to strong performances. Yeah. And this team, unfortunately, has a history of not coming up in the big games. Mm. So that you know they're able to beat the the best sides throughout the regular seasons, but in in the in the big games when it counts, they falter. So they just need to work out a way to try and get through. They just need to worry about the next eighty minutes. Yeah. Okay. Don't worry about two weeks' time when yep. the grand final's on and and trying to win a premiership. <laughs> worry about beating the Raiders first, mm. and 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 work out a strategy and a way to do that, and to give yourself an opportunity to go out and play your best football. Each and every one of them have to do that. It's just if you don't, if if you if you have twelve good players, thirteen good players, and you carry four players that don't play well, then more than likely you won't win the match. Yeah, that's just how finals work. Yeah, it's uh, the Eels, and for that reason, I think the Eels get the job done. I think that they're playing for so much more than just a finals win. They're playing for pressure on everyone. Like mm. you mean, you could even begin looking at, at Mitch. I know Mitch is, I actually think he's really put himself, you know, he's improved so, so much over the last few years. He's become one of the most consistent players, one of the most consistent sevens in the last couple of years. I, I'd honestly put him at least in the top four or five in regards yeah. to consistency. But, I, you know, you, you start you start having to look at the leaders in that club and saying, 
boys, do you have what it takes to make a prelim at least mm. at the minimum? Mm. Um, and, and I don't, and to be clear, I think they do have what it takes. And that's why I think that they'll get the job done on the weekend because they're playing for so, so much on the weekend. Um, how, who, what about the Raiders? How do you, do you see them getting up or do you see the Eels getting up? I actually give them a chance, Kempi. Yeah. Yeah, I really do. I really do. I think they take a lot of, well, they've been, com- they've been playing with a lot of confidence anyway. Um, and as you said, they've got this um, no expectation um, on them style attitude that they're taking into this game. I think we mentioned earlier in the show, I think Josh Papali'i and Joseph Tarpany are in just you know, really, really good touch. Great matchup between the two props mm. um, on, on either side. Um, RCG up against Josh Papali'i, oh. Junior Bolo up against Joseph Tarpanay. It's just, um, yeah, you even look to the back rowers like Sean Lane versus Hudson Young, Isaiah Papali'i versus Elliot Whitehead. Just, it's a great matchup. Um, in that forward pack. So maybe maybe you look at those forwards and just go, right, well, who's going to win that battle early? Mm. That may that may give you know, one team an advantage going into halftime. And um, do they hold on in the second half? I don't know. I just – I think they just – that attitude that they take in where, like, no one's got any expectation on us to do anything here. Compared to Parramatta, they've got all expectation on them. Yeah. And, you know, does that pressure get to them? I don't know. Maybe Maybe after coming up against – Penrith last week and a lot of people were saying well this this is their match they can knock them off mm. right maybe after losing that one they just go right the like the weights off the shoulders the shackles are off they just go play their football mm. um but out of these two matches I see on the weekend I think this one's probably toss of the coin for me yeah okay it really is only, only given only only because of the lack of consistency from Parramatta mm in, in the big matches. That's the only reason. If, if I knew they were going to go and play their best football, I'd, you'd back them. But I'm going to lean towards the Raiders in this one. Wow. Yep. Big call. I'm going to lean towards the Raiders. It might be the wrong call, but I'm, I'm just going to lean towards them. Okay. Given their, uh, their big win last week against Melbourne. And, and what do you think, you know, in regards to Raiders' game plan, if you were, you know, captaining the side, what, what would your plan kind of be? Is there any areas that you think that the Eels can be beaten on or – Oh, I just I'd go after I'd I'd just say to my my forwards, hey boys, need a big game again. Need to go after Campbell Gillard and Junior Bollard. Need to just take them out of the match. Need to shut down their go forward, and then and then it's their halves, their halves and Gutho. Mm. So Clint Gutherson playing one. Brown and Moses, they are the key to this footy side. I'd just be like, hey, boys, when we're defending these guys, every time they get the ball, we need, we need a green jersey at them and at them quickly. Yeah. Make them, make them feel uncomfortable all game. Don't allow them any time and space to make decisions. Mm. Don't, don't give them that opportunity. Because a lot of the players, like they've got wonderful individuals and athletic individuals like you know, Wunga Blake, Will Penasini, um, Opacek, Micah Sivo in particular – when 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 those key players like I was talking about have time and and space and 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 time to sum up the best op- option to hit like whether it be Wunga Blake or Sivo or you know one of the centers in Penasini Opacek those guys make you pay mm. so it's all about just taking time um, off off those those halves and, and Clint Gutherson I think it goes a long way to winning the match do you think we're going to see a bit of uh, a, well not a bit a lot of bombs going towards Wunga Blake 
I think so. Yeah. <laughs> if they're in position, if they're in position, it'll be the first kick that goes up. Yeah. Really I think will. Jack Whiten, Jack Whiten will just sink his big left boot into it. He will kick it as high and as ugly a kick he can kick straight down Wonga Blake's throat. It's going to be, oh man, it's uh, Wonga Blake, you know, he's just got to be focused. So like, it's it's this really strange balance between thinking about it because you have yeah. to be aware it's going to come, yeah. But also not thinking about it too much, yeah. Because how many catches? How many catches do you reckon he took this week? <laughs> how many bombs has he still not? Mate, he's probably still out there. Seriously, <laughs> he hasn't st- gone home. He hasn't gone. He hasn't home. gone home. He's honestly still out oh, there. The head noise would be absolutely fella. incredible. Oh. Uh, in regards to the eels, just quickly before we head to the break, where do you? Th- what do you think they need to do to? to Beat the Raiders. Well, just just get rid of all exterior noise, mate. Mm. Forget about the 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 expectation of others. Or just they they need to think about themselves. And I know they they play tomorrow night. It's it's you know, but they would have finished their captain's running now by now. Or they might just be wrapping up sort of around this time. So their preparation's done. But they they just need to get out there and just play. Don't worry about anyone else. Just they need to worry about themselves individually. And, and think about how, like, what does our game look like when we're playing our best football and what am I doing for the team when we're playing our best football? Mm. That's what we need to do. And if they do that, like I said, if they all play their role as best they can and the team plays well, I feel as though they will win the match. Mm. But I just it's hard to do it given their inconsistencies. But from a Parramatta's point of view, forget about everyone else. Worry about what your role is on the night. Go and get that done as best you can. Yeah, I agree, mate. In regard, the Eels, for me, it's just, mate, it's 80 minutes. We need every person 80 minutes at our best, and that guarantees us a win. That's how confident I think the Eels should be in their squad. Yep. 80 minutes of our best from each individual player, and we will win, boys. That's all we – it's very, very simple. In regards to Raiders, I agree, uh, you know, I would be targeting RCG and Bolo. Like, I would honestly yeah. be – if, if if I don't see blokes flying out of line to hit them in the first five or so sets, I'll be very yep. surprised, very surprised. Yep. We're going to head to a break. After the break, we've got the absolutely huge match coming up. Uh, the Sharkies, they'll go up against the Rabbitohs, and we're going to go into a deep dive uh, previewing that game. Holy schnitz. Time now for the sporting highlight of the week. Thanks to schnitz, home of fresh, golden, handcrafted schnitzels. Welcome back to the Captain's Run, and it's time now for one of my favourite moments of the week. It's the Holy Schnitz brought to you by Schnitz, the best schnitzels in all the lands. Now, my nomination this week is the seven sin bins in the Roosters Rabbitohs match last week. Honestly, I thought I'd say Holy Schnitz once, but I said it seven times. Seven times. Absolutely incredible. It might be the record amount of times I said Holy Schnitz. What about yourself, Cam? Well, it was a record amount of Simbins, wasn't it? Yes, it was. So I reckon it would have been a record <laughs> amount of sh- holy schnitz. Uh, yeah, my holy schnitz moment involved uh, the number seven as well. Ooh. It was the number on the back of the player wearing it. Uh-oh. Nathan Cleary. Holy. Yep. Just his performance and his kicking game in particular. I think that's – I sat there and just went, holy schnitz. I wasn't like out of me seat, holy schnitz. I was just like, holy schnitz. Man, do you reckon... This is incredible. Do you reckon Wonga Blake was going, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. Actually, <laughs> he may have broke your record. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <For seven. laughs> he did it seven times every time he got kicked the ball. Oh, wow. Wonga wow. Blake, but uh, that was my nomination. And I reckon Tommy, where's Tommy? 
Tommy Wigan, surely Schnitz is on its way. Surely. No. He's not listening. No good. Our producer, Tommy, he's, he got, he's just not even. He's brushing no. us. He's brushed yeah. us. Oh, I guess we're not getting it today. No, not today. We do thank the very lovely people at Schnitz, though. Uh, they were out. Little wraps and everything. Oh, they're so good. Seriously. Stop talking about it, Smithy. I'm getting hungry. Uh, they were our holy Schnitz sporting moments. Thanks to Schnitz. Got that winning taste right now. Schnitz. Handcrafted schnitzels made fresh and made just for you. Now we're going to, after the break, we're going to deep dive into the absolutely huge clash. Uh, it's gone. My mind's gone blank now. Ah, we're sharkies. 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 <laughs> sharkies Rabbitohs. The Sharkies <laughs> Rabbitohs. See you on the other side. Welcome back to the Captain's Run with the great Cameron Smith. You can uh, download the SEN app. You can follow us at SEN League on Instagram. But also you can uh, listen to us anytime on Apple and Spotify. But let's get to the cracking map. Like, honestly, the Sharkies versus Rabbitohs. Now, mm. this is seriously the one that I'm most unsure about, Smithy. I honestly don't know which way to lean. How do you yep. see this match playing out, mate? Yeah, you know what, mate. I'm like I'm opposite to last game, so you're you're fairly confident that Parra are going to win. I was fifty yep. fifty. Yep. I lent towards the Raiders. Oh, I'm pretty certain the Rabbits win this one. Wow. Yeah, I, I think they do, and I, I do that. I I make that assumption off the back of um, the games played in the weekend, where they looked they looked pretty silky when they started playing footy. They looked pretty silky, particularly with the ball. Um, and they were able to score, you know, some pretty good points against the Roosters, who, you know, they're 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 quite a good side defensively. And then I looked at the Sharkies, and we mentioned this earlier in the show. They conceded 32, 32 points at home. Wow. And they're home dunghill. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I think that's that for me. I think that just points towards the Rabbitohs. Um, no, Tom Burgess. He's he's accepted a two-game ban. Um, for his high shot on James Tedesco. Uh, Michael Cheekham comes in to replace him on the bench. Uh, the Sharkies, they're unchanged um, from their lineup, with, uh, from their loss to the Cowboys. Although Dale Finucane, he escaped with a $3,000 fine um, with a crusher tackle. Um, yeah, I, I think, mate, I, I just think the Bunnies will be too good here. Okay. I really do. I really think they'll be too good. Plus, when you think you think about the sharks now, I know it was a very physical, um, it was a physical battle the 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 Rabbitohs Roosters game, and you know a few of those boys will be sore, but you know it's just they've dealt with that all year. Mm. Think think about the sharks though. Yeah, they played a ninety three minute match. Wow, ninety three minutes they played. You know, wow. I think Brayley Brayley made something like sixty three tackles. Yeah, so you know at some stage in this match, like they'll they'll look or they'll be up for it early. But if but if they have if South can have um, a decent um, quality if they can have some quality football and they have a fair share of the ball as far as their possession is concerned, I think you might see a few fatigued Sharkies players in the back end of this match. Well, I mean, I mean, I'm so excited, and this is actually our match of the round, and we do that thanks to SunCorp. Get your award-winning car insurance now with SunCorp. Uh, seven years in a row, seven years in a row. But let's get back to it. This is going to be the match of the round for us. Look, I, I absolutely see where you're coming from in regards to Sharkies, the 93-minute game. And, yes, the South Sydney Rabbitohs, it was a brutal game. But, you know, I think the brutality was more, you know, a few head highs here and there. And, you know, they outside of Teddy um, and Tom Burgess, there wasn't really – and Tokiaha, but he came back on. There wasn't anyone that got – oh, Crichton, Sign- but he's not playing. Hits. Significant head highs. So – I yep. agree in the regards to freshness. I don't know. I just, 
with the Sharkies, there's, I just feel like there's something about Fitzgibbon and the way I think he's going to be able to get the boys up for this match. And I think Nico Hines is just in such good touch. Yep. Uh, like, I, there's, I just... Well he, well, he was classy, wasn't he, Kempi? Yeah, incredible. Well, he, he and Moylan, they put on some nice tries um, for the Sharkies in that loss. And, and that's what I was saying. It was a bit of a seesaw game where they looked in control and then mm. the Cowboys would score a couple and then they looked... Like, they were the team with all the momentum. And it took, you know, like, to be fair, it took all the way up to the, the last, like, it was after the siren when Val Holmes had to kick the uh, the conversion to take it into extra time. Yeah. I just, I still, I, I cannot, I cannot go past how they conceded so many, oh, well, there's no other way to put it, soft tries mm. against the Cowboys. And now to look across the other side of the park this week, and you're looking at guys like Cody Walker um, and Damian Cook, the man that starts at the ruck. You know, Tom Dearden made line breaks from dummy half. Imagine what Damian Cook can do if, if, if the Cronulla Sharks' middles aren't on defensively. Mm. Um, you know, they're just, you know, and, and last week I, I thought Lachlan Ilias was so, so good. Yeah. He was strong. You He's know what really I mean? Good. Like, he, he, like he, the, the other guys take the, take the, the spotlight, you know, Cody Walker and, um, and Latrell Mitchell because of you know who they are and their their profile, their standing in the game. But I thought Lachlan Ilias was so good last week mm. on on both sides of the ball. So defensively, he was he was great. He was strong with the football. He had he had he made good choices with his passing game. He ran a couple of times. He had a great kicking game. I don't know. I just I just feel as though that these guys are taking in a fair bit of momentum into the match, and that their attack. Like if if they get their attack on and they hold the ball, um, I feel as though that they just win. Mm. It's just straightforward win for them. Wow, it's uh, look I, the thing with the Sharkies that I do like is that, you know, although they leak that many points, I just feel I love their mental toughness in that game. Like they they just yeah. refuse to break. You know, it would be there were a lot of as you said it was a it was a back and forth game, and I feel like there were a lot of moments where either side between the Cowboys and the Sharkies. Could have just said, you know what, we've lost momentum, yeah, we're done. Throw the towel in. But I just, what I loved about it was this toughness of like, till the dying seconds, they didn't um, break. And yes, mm-hmm. they leaked as that a lot of points, which is definitely not a good thing. But you know, if if uh, they don't have a man go to the bin, do they get the win? I'm not sure. I, I mm. I'm really, un- I'm going to go. Th- I'm going to stick with the Sharkies, just because I've already said that I've gone oh, with the Sharkies. Yeah. Um, now, where, where do you think the Sharkies, let's say the Sharkies can get a win. How would you, as a leader of that team, how would you get the win if you were playing for them? Well, I actually I actually spoke about this in, in the call during the game, and I felt as though when they went away from their direct hard running and and their sets where it, they looked organized, okay? Mm. They looked they looked organized. They knew exactly where they needed to be on every tackle. That's, that's when they looked their most dangerous. It's when they looked their most... Um, content playing that way. I think when they get into this style of footy where people go off, they go a little bit when each of their players, they may go a little bit rogue and go, oh, look, I've got space over here and I'll I'll, I'll run 20 metres cross field and then I'll try and dig in here and then, oh, actually, I've got an arm free. I'll try and throw that one out the the back door. Mm. The next person thinks, well, I'll do the same. I'll go cross field. I'll try and beat a couple of tackles and then I'll get an offload. I think that's when it gets a little bit messy for them. Okay. I think if they stick to their... If they stick to their their game plans, and they play, they play a style of fully where they just they go run hard, 
run hard, and it's not it's not just one out runs. Mm. Like I mean, when when say you know Nico Hines or Matt Moylan, they get the ball off Braley, they take a few steps forward, take their big forwards onto the ball, get them over the advantage line, and you know let's just say you know one of their big forwards you know digs into the line like a Toby Rudolph who started the game fantastic. Oh man, he what about Royce that try? Hunt. Yeah, well that's what I mean. Like he and Royce Hunt were great. Like the, the, when they when they looked their most dangerous was when guys just they just ran straight and hard into space and and they had intent they had purpose about what they were doing mm. when they went a little bit sort of you know like i said when they went a little bit rogue and thought oh i'll just oh i can see something over here i'll try and i'll try and do something over there that's when they they got out of their structures and they just they they started making mistakes mm. um i think you know Matty Moylan more so, you know, he, he doesn't mind playing that little sort of off-the-cuff football. But I think Nico Hines in particular, his his strong suit is, you know, making sure that he's giving direction to the team at where they need to be. Hey, boys, take two rucks that way. We're coming back with this play. Then we'll take a play here and then I'll kick. Mm. That's when he's at his best. Yeah. So I think for the, for the Sharkies, that's what they need to stick to. They need to stick to a disciplined a disciplined 80-minute football this week for them uh, for them to have a chance to win. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because when you look at it, it's Hines is essentially, not essentially, it's his first year as a seven leading a team around. Yeah. And so, you know, maybe that is their Achilles heel is the fact that he doesn't have experience. Like, look, let's be clear. In my opinion, he's the Dally M of the year. I think he should get it. But yep. maybe that's the small part of his game that he just doesn't have the pull yet to force players to go, when I say to do something, you yeah. do it. Well, off the back of off the back of his season, Kempy, like they they should have that that um, trust in him mm. to say, well, okay, he's our number seven, he's our general. If he if he says, hey boys, this is what we need to do, you, you go and do it. Mm. That's 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 what makes good footy sides is that everyone understanding their role in the football team. Like everyone's not the the playmaker. Every player is not the man that's going to have the final pass to send someone across the try line. Mm. Sometimes your role is, hey boy, hey, just get the ball and go forward for me. Mm. Go and make eight meters for me. Get down on the ground. Get up and play the ball as quick as you can. Mm. Build some momentum for the footy side. Get some field position for us, and we'll go do the rest. Mm. So I think they need to. If you look across the season, and you know, Kempi, you're saying that Nico Hines is your Dalian Player of the Year. If he's played that well, surely his teammates are looking at him, going, "You know what? I'll just I'm going to do what this bloke tells me to do because positive things will happen if I do it." Mm. It's really interesting in regards to you know, people might think, "Well, of course you would listen to the half," but you'd be surprised how many people get a rush of blood and they think, "Oh, oh, there's a hole there. I can make a line break," and they they're thinking about themselves. I it recalls a top like Wayne Bennett used to always go, "I don't care how many meters you get in kick returns, you need to get me to the middle of the field." Yeah. yeah, there would be times where people would go like, "Here's a good example." Is like sometimes Darius would crab across the field, and people would say like, "Darbs, why why is Darius crabbing across the field like that and not you know running directly into the edges where there's a bit of space?" And it was yep. all about you know, okay, maybe you don't get the wraps because as a winger, you're you're doing what the coach says, but the mm. coach notices that, and so does the half because now the half is in the middle of the field returning the ball, it's so much easier to get out of your own end and it just kind of yep. furthers the point in regards to your Sharks uh, analysis. Yeah. Well, that's right. It's just, it's all about, it's it's not about personal glory or anything like that. Like, it's 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 about team. Like they're, it, they're playing a team sport. So do what's needed for the team. You What you try and do is 
play your role so that it allows other players in the team to bring their strengths to the side as well. Mm. Don't just go out, don't just go out on this like limb and try and do it all yourself because it's not how the game works. Mm. You need to, you need to be able to complement each other to help each other play the best team game you can because if you do that then you're a really good chance of winning. And just quickly on the Rabbitohs, uh Cody Walker has just all of us, not all, well, I guess all of a sudden hit incredible form. Four tries on the weekend, and one of the tries is to yeah. win the game. The skill to hold it that extra second and throw yep. it after the decision has been made. Uh, do you think that, you know, is Cody going to hit enough form to get into another grand final? Well, I think he can. Like, he certainly can. Like, he showed last year, you know, with the run that they had in the back half of the year that he can do that. And he's showing signs of that once, once more. And that's that's why I'm saying South win is because they've got they've got a couple of players there that can just really tear teams apart. Mm. They can they they can just you can have a set defensive line. When you watch the Rabbitohs play, it doesn't matter who they're playing, mm. and you go, oh, here they go, they're lining up out to the left, and look at the opposition. They're like they got they got numbers that match up. They got good defensive spacings. They're ready to go, and then all of a sudden. Um, you know, Alex Johnston's putting it down in the corner like a training run. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, like a training. It's yeah. like they're jogging and the, the defense can't do anything about it. They put under this spell mm. where they just they start heading in field, trying to take men inside, and then all of a sudden they got a two man overlap. Yeah. Um, and it's just you know, I, I think um, did Jason Demetrio come out and said he's a, he's a generational player. Yeah. Wow. With, with the way that he with his ball playing. Mm. With his ball playing ability and the hands that he has, you know, the soft touch that he has and his ability to hold up the ball to that last moment, as you mentioned, mm. when a defender has made a decision, then he goes, right, I'm going to go that pass out the back now. If he plays that way, then, uh, you know, I just, I, I think they can score a fair few points this weekend. Bennett actually said that he would be in his all-time 17 last year. Cody Walker. Yeah, if I recall, really? if I recall correctly, Bennett wow, said he'd be in his all-time seventeen. Massive call. Yeah, when he, he was on that Cody. run. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, now we're going to head to a break. After the break, we're going to get to your text oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. So we'll see you on the other side. Welcome back to the captain's run. Uh, we've just had some breaking news. New Zealand have released their wider squad. Uh, they've, I think, they've named about thirty-four players around that. Um, we were just mm. talking off air about, you know, potential smokies for Australia. So quickly, Smithy, is do you think Hudson Young is a smoky for Australia? Oh, absolutely. Would you absolutely. pick him? Absolutely. Oh, I think I think he'll go as a tourer, yeah. yeah there's no doubt. Oh well oh, I shouldn't say there's no doubt, but he's put himself in that frame, hasn't he? Mm. To go over as maybe an extra player, extra forward. He's he's a type of guy that's quite versatile, can play a couple of different positions. You need that in those these tournament style events. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, in regards to the teams, just looking at this New Zealand squad, would Strong. you say would you say that this is the potentially the first year Australia aren't outright favourites? Well, I think I don't think are they going into it as favourites? I don't know. They're, they're they're well, as we know, they're they're not ranked number one going into it. Mm. New Zealand are. They're actually ranked fourth. Yeah, wow. In the world at the moment, the Kangaroos. But you know, just if if we toss out a few of these names here that. New Zealand have named um, Soph Solomon and the two Bromwich brothers, Dylan Brown, Fisher Harris, Kieran Foran, of course, in great form, Hamlin, Hamlin Ueli, uh, Jerome Hughes, Sebastian Chris, um, yet to play for New Zealand. So he's been added. Moses Leota, Joseph Manu. Um, like this is, this is a strong, strong squad. Um, Ronaldo Militalo's there. Griffin, Griffin Neem oh. um, from the Cowboys. 
Um, Britain Nakora, um, Marada Nakora, Isaiah Papali'i, Jordan Rapana. Like you, the names go on. Like Brandon Smith, Scott Sorensen. He'll he'll definitely be a player that goes in that squad. Has to Scott Sorensen. Like he's been fantastic for Penrith this year. Um, Joseph Tarpney, Matthew Tomoko. Oh, it is a great lineup. Smithy, a great lineup. I'm going to tell you the odds right now, and it's going okay. to this might blow your mind. Okay. Australia are paying a dollar forty. New Zealand are play, paying five dollars fifty. Really? That's cr- value. Dollar forty. That is value for me. If it comes is seriously. Well, I tell you what, and I reckon the the reason why those odds are where they're at um, is because. Traditionally, like when you look at New Zealand in the tournament setups, they haven't done well mm. away from home, particularly away from home when they go over to England. Um, they've, done, they've, they've obviously got some results down here when they play sort of um, Southern Hemisphere, Australia, New Zealand style tournaments. They won the 2008 World Cup. I think they won, they won the Four Nations in uh, 2014 as well. Um, you know, so they, they do well here close to home, but maybe those prices are because of going overseas, but... I'll tell you what, that I reckon those prices need to come in. Having yeah. a look at that squad, they've they've got a very, very strong squad. I agree. Definitely got to come in for sure. Five fifty. Wow, compared to a dollar forty. Now we're gonna to head to a break. After the break, we're gonna wrap up the show. Welcome back to the Captain's Run with the great Cameron Smith. Now, just before we end the show, Smithy, let's go over the tips. Who have you got for game one? Game one, I am gonna go. Oh, well, you said who? Para. I said Para. I'm leaning towards Raiders. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Huge the call. The green machine. The green machine. The milk. Getting behind the milk. <laughs> the milk. <laughs> now, game two. Who are you going? Uh, I'm going south here. Outright, wow. outright win south. Wow. Big, big call. The yes. Only time will tell. Uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in, guys. Make sure to download the app. This any time. You can subscribe to us, Apple and Spotify. But most of all, make sure to give at SEN League a follow on Instagram. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. See you next week.